Welcome to another episode of Axe of the Blood God, an independent RPG podcast. I am your host, Kat Bailey. Joining me as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Kat. We're pretty much at the end. The three-minute warning has sounded, and 2022 is almost dead. <laughs> at last! Woo! At last! Woo! It's Slay dead! The, <laughs> the evil is defeated. Here comes a bigger evil, 2023. Eh, 2022 wasn't that bad by most standards. No. Hard to top 2020 at this point. Yeah, uh, that's true. Also joining me is my equally lovely co-host, Nadia Eric Van Allen. <laughs> Hi. Nadia Eric Van Allen. Hi, everybody. Really happy to announce <laughs> that because of my results in the Blood God Olympics, I've had to change my first name. So <laughs> you couldn't have picked another one, could you? Have? <laughs> no, no. That was the one you made me choose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As Zubat Man says in the chat, I've been promoted to Nadia. <laughs> it doesn't come that with a pay raise, so sorry about that. It does not come with a pay raise. And we have a pay cut, actually. Yes, this week we are going to be looking back on the RPGs of 2022. Yep, it's the RPG Year in Review, our annual, seventh annual RPG Year in Review. And we've done this many times at this point. It's pretty crazy. And to do that, we got the entire Blood God fam together. We also have the Charland Dropouts. Mike Williams and Victor Hunter. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for having us. It's uh it's nice to t- uh, tear down the wall and cross over into your realm once again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Throw open the gates, let light shine, however that thing goes. <laughs> yeah. Throw open the gates of hell. Oh, throw open the gates. Let, let evil spill beyond its boundaries. Let no, the FF14 you guys get five minutes of Final Fantasy fourteen talk, so make it worthwhile. Like, if you use it up, it's done. You can't talk about it anymore. Okay, Just fair enough. Okay, so, like, yeah. how is Graha Tia, like, number seven on that Final Fantasy ranking, but Ishtola wasn't even on it? Like, have we talked about this yeah, yet? Yeah, I won't do this. Why is Waka number two? Why is Waka number two? Because Waka's part of a meme that's big in Japan right now. Is uh, that a thing? Uh, yes. So, what's Waka's the memes like all along? Meme? Yes. Uh, What's okay. the meme exactly? What's the joke? I have no He's idea. Racist? It, it, I have no, no it's, idea. It's a video, and I watched the video. It doesn't make any sense. It's just <laughs> you mean like most memes now? Yes. Don't local don't try local to make TikTok sense. correspondent Eric Van Allen will look into this and report back. <laughs> Please do. I'm very I'll, I'll send you the video. Give me. A little... yeah, it reminds yeah, me of Ronald McDonald being a meme over there, and uh, combined with like Tohu music. Yeah, it's, oh, that that's an old uh, old that's an meme. One. Yeah, that's a good one. About careful about that. That's an yeah. antique. No, that that's the that's the old evil. Those are like the old vampires and Vampire the Masquerade. You don't want to wake those ones up. Well, we'll be getting to all of the RPGs in just a moment. But first, if you enjoy the show, thank you very much. Please leave us a review on the podcatcher of your choice. You can follow me on Twitter at the underscore catbot. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford. Eric is at CMOZ. Mike is at Automatic Zen and Victor Hunter. What's your Twitter account? At Victor E. Hunter. Victor, the letter E, Hunter. We're also on Patreon, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod, which has tons of bonus content, including our full-on year-in-review extravaganza, which we talk about all of the games that came out in 2022 with our good pal, Reb Valentine. And you also get access to Charlie and Dropout's which is now airing twice a month on the free feed as well as on our premium feed. 
Uh, Victor, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you've got planned? Oh, oh, I have a big, beautiful document with all kinds of weird ideas. I've seen it. Uh, our, our last episode that just went up on the free feed was was all about um, one specific weapon uh, for the summoner from level 50 and how it ties into Final Fantasy tactics and the history of visual novels and sound novels and games within games and... French new wave cinema that deconstructs itself in real time and noir. And it's, 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 uh, it's a real fun one that I had a lot of fun researching. Um, coming up soon, we're going to be starting some guided audio tours. Think of them as like commentary tracks for your dungeon runs. Um, I also have an episode that I'm, uh, gonna have some some really interesting interviews for I hope as long as things uh, pull through, but it's going to be all about the history of hip hop and what that has to do with FF14. Um, so g- lots of weird topics, lots of really surprising stuff. Um, also have some really great guests. I also already have my April Fools episode. <laughs> Got an April well, Fools episode. Thing. Yeah, yeah, we can talk about that later. But the first yeah. one in the history of Acts of the Blood God. It's uh, yeah, I got a lot of a lot of really really cool stuff coming up. So give it yeah. a listen. Yeah, we definitely want to do great things with Charlene dropouts in the year twenty twenty three. So please look forward to it. In the meantime, let's talk about twenty twenty two specifically the RPGs that came out this past year. It was a uh, an interesting year, bookended by Pokemon in particular, with a lot of uh, RPGs in between. And the first question that I'm going to ask you all is, what were some of the major trends that stood out to you about RPGs in 2022? I mean, we already devoted an entire episode to the year of tactics. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm curious, mm-hmm. like, what other um- trends have we heard besides the year of tactics? I'm going to say it was a big time for a lot of smaller games. Like Square Enix yeah. in particular had this yeah. run <laughs> the of just weird, <laughs> small games like RPGs, JRPGs, dungeon crawlers, like the voice of cards games, triangle strategy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Harvestella. I guess you can even count Babylon's Fall. Cause, oh, but that was R. I. terrible. RIP. Um, it lasted for like five minutes. Uh, but yeah, they released a whole bunch of like random small RPG. And, and I guess maybe this was like the plan, like they sold the Western studios and then they were like, let's double down on the weirdest stuff from the Japanese studios. Just whatever you got, this is the time to show it to the class. I, I weirdly feel like this year Square Enix was like, oh, but I, I want to, I want to release my final fantasy 16. I want to release my Forspoken. But those ain't coming out in 2022, so we need to get some other stuff out the door now. Yeah, like real <laughs> and, fast. Yeah, especially with like, obviously, we'll, we'll talk more about it in the uh, year in review, I'm sure, as we talk broadly about the industry. But uh, Square Enix moving Crystal Dynamics, uh, Montreal and Eidos out of there uh, really did kind of focus things back towards the the Japanese production that they've had there, the studios that they have there. And 
it was like we talked about a blunderbuss of games. Like, did y'all remember they made a new Chocobo Racing this year? That just happened. They just <laughs> did was that it this year. I thought it was last year. No, it was, sure it was, was this, this year. Cho- yeah. Chocobo GP was this year, and they did yep. two. A lot of people. I, I want to say at least two, maybe three voice of cards games. There were two. The were first two. one was coming. last year. I played the first one. I did not play two. I did not play three. But two was in like February, and three was in like September. Um, they've been turning those things out like clockwork. That is the Tokyo RPG factory right there. Uh, but it's, it's kind of amazing to see all the, the production come out of there. And I do wonder, I would love to pick someone's brain there as to what the strategy is. Cause it feels like a yeah. lot of RPGs just came and went in the fall. <laughs> did we're, anybody, we're did anybody play game. various day life? No, no. <laughs> I, I completely that exited oh. my mind. Just remember that yeah. one. I played. Yeah. I played Diofield Chronicle for a bit. Uh, yeah, wow. yeah. Triangle I did like strategy. that one. Um, uh, Harvestella. I played. Uh, I feel like a lot. Just... Of, I, I feel like relatively few games stuck ultimately outside of weirdly Vampire Survivors, Elden Ring. <laughs> um, I, I think Xenoblade Chronicles Three lodged itself in the zeitgeist. Totally. Uh, surprisingly. Mm, yeah, Probably yeah. because it had so much, shall we say, uh, boosters, very enthusiastic boosters uh, of local mini- minority who wanted <laughs> to talk about that game. S- since we're bringing up Xenoblade Chronicles 3, I will say I played Chronicles 2 and everyone was raving about it. And I said, nah, this is not that great. Xenoblade Chronicles 3 hits and everyone turns the page and they're like, yeah, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 was not that great. Thank God. Yeah, never I was. agree with you, Mike. I, I agree love with you. I love no, Nadia has always been on the good I've always train. been on. Nadia yeah, has I've always been stalwart. Two. Yeah. I, I recognize that they're two very different games in terms of like their tone. But two is like Xenoblade's crazy ass teenage years where it's doing a bunch of drugs, drinking at the same time, joyriding in cars that are decked out with anime chicks. And then by three, everyone kind of like grew up a little bit and said, okay, we have to like be serious about saving the world now, guys. And it was very, very heartfelt and very mature. But uh, I kind of miss that wild ass, hey, we're on a, the back of a floating turtle now energy that that uh, two had. I like Drew saying, I've consumed enough copium to enjoy Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Mm, mm-hmm, exactly. Mm-hmm. Great, I, great soundtrack. Great yeah, soundtrack. Chronicles 2 is specifically for people who love to say, no, no, if you if you watch the whole anime, I promise that, that Food Wars is a good anime. You have to skip <laughs> past the, the booby parts, and, and I promise it's really good. <laughs> booby parts. Um, and ignore the yeah, terrible art style. Uh, it's I, three... As someone who got in with the series on three, I, I loved Xeno Saga on the PS2, but I never tried Xenoblade Chronicles. Uh, and as someone who got in with three, I do think that right off the jump, it was trying to do something a little bit more mature. It gave me like Valkyria Chronicles vibes a, a little bit like it was doing anime war story. It wasn't really doing like, here's this young boy protagonist who summons a, a large chested lady who is his sword that he fights with. Uh, it, it kind of like got Eric, there faster. You never finished two, did you? Sorry, three, did you? No, 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 no. I, I promise. I'm literally, I have, I've double checked. I'm in the last dungeon of three right now. No, no, there is something. I will just say this word in the chat. Is will there a large chested sword lady at the end of this game? I'll is that what I'm going to run into? At the end of the game, there's a picture and I want you 
desperately, desperately to see this picture. And chat, I'm sure, knows what I'm talking about. But I will say, in all caps, there is a picture. There is okay. a picture. It is okay. a picture. There is a picture. I, I have stayed unspoiled on this game. Amazingly. I I would like to request that it. we save our Xenoblade Chronicles 3 discourse, by the way, for the next for later. question. Because we're going to be able to talk okay, okay, more okay. about what our favorite games of 2022 were. So... Uh, I'm not surprised that we're jumping into this already because there's big Xenoblade Chronicles 3 love on this podcast. But one thing that I want to highlight, 2022 was a year that we got a lot of the remasters and ports that we've been Mm -hmm. wanting for a long time, for better or worse. The for better, Live Alive. Turned out amazing. Woo! HD two D. Like check uh, out uh, check out Nadia and I's episode of Retronauts, all about live. God, that was old. That was like old enough to vote by now. I've been I've been carrying a torch for that game for fifteen or so years now, and I think it's a testament to just how many games came out this year. That Live Alive was my most anticipated game, and I have not unwrapped it yet. Uh, really i am are you okay so many things to play and so much stuff to do that i I haven't even gotten around to live alive which is one of my favorite games of all time we also got the final fantasy 6 pixel remaster which is a lot more Uh, mixed than i ultimately kind of expected it would be i mean where's where's ff6 hd 2d come on now. yeah that's an easy one i think we were all kind of waiting for that i think everybody was a tiny bit out on the art style. I think a lot of people were kind of nonplussed by the, the stuttering, the weird touches, like not having credits or the snowy field walking, the missing content. And it was very much the kind of the monkey paw square reboot uh, sort of thing, uh, which uh, spe- stood in direct contrast to Live Alive. Speaking of, the, the square, of course, uh said, hey, the collection is coming out one through six on Switch like yeah. you always <laughs> all wanted. And they only put it exclusively on the Square Enix store and the standard edition, just the regular game on Switch, literally limited quantities sold out immediately. Yeah. yeah. And I'm so, miserable. So, so you can buy like Diofield Chronicles or Various Day Life on Switch physical, but you cannot buy Final Fantasy 1 through 6 in a Switch, just a standard Switch. It's not just in Targets. Like, what are they, of all the things that they could put on store shelves that would be, like, really good to put on a store shelf. And also, like, I... I know it's weird to be like, oh, the price is a little off, but I do think $75, I think, is what that thing was coming out to. Granted, that was with shipping. Yeah. I think without shipping, no, it would no, be. No, no, no. It's, it's 75 without is it plus 75 shipping. Flat? Plus without another shipping. 25 for shipping. Wow. So from from Square, Enix's, oh. Square Enix's store, which is uh, always has great shipping prices, especially to Canada, it uh, it, it works uh, out uh, to like $140 Canadian if, if yeah. we want to, if we. I, not that we can buy it anyway, so it doesn't matter. I understand that that it is like multiple remastered games, like six Final Fantasies in there, but 
you would think that that's something Square would want to at least like competitively price. Even right. even Tactics Ogre Reborn, I was a little surprised that they didn't try to like they they released a lot of games this fall and all of them were like full priced games and I was very surprised by that move because I was kind of expecting them to try and go like okay here's a few big budget games here's a few like smaller yeah. budget games that can kind of like fit in there a little bit neater and instead it was like nope just open up here comes the blunderbuss rpg premium rpg prices <laughs> yeah which yeah. makes me mad because as i've said on the show harvestel is a great budget game and they priced it full price and harvestel is gonna sell crazy when it's like on a steam sale it yeah, is going so, to do so well. I think nobody's going to remember that game came out in six months. No, this guy, it's got people who, I mean, it's, it's a good game. It's just. A, it's good. It's not great. It's, it's one good. Of those exactly. it's, it's, it's defined it's good. A, a first one. It's, it's I'm the still first fl- game. Yes. Exactly. And they need yeah. a sequel. Exactly. I mean, um, define good. I'm it's playing. It's the same it. problem what that Dio Field <laughs> has. Dio Field needs a sequel too. I like Dio Field, but it needs that sequel to figure some things <laughs> yeah. out. I like that yeah. Nadia's definition of good is I'm playing it. Hello. <laughs> if you don't I'm, like a game, I'm you're not going to hang on to it. Yeah. Fair enough. Like there are a lot of like, we've talked about God of War Ragnarok on here, a game that is extremely well made and that I just have no desire to go play. Whereas exactly. I'm still booting up a lot of games that I just think are like fine, but I'm still playing them because they are engaging enough that I want to stick with them. So enjoy your six out of tens. Ain't nothing wrong with it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. The best. I'll only judge Sometimes you a little I bit. I want garbage. <laughs> Talking about other uh, games, we got Chrono Cross, the Radical Dreamers edition, which was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it was solid. Um, maybe not so much on the Switch, but that seems to be a common thing. Where there's a lot of shoddy ports. A lot of uh, The Verge had an article calling uh, the Switch uh, one of the fails of 2022 because of its hardware. And I contend, my friends, that when you're trying to do a budget port with poor programming. Maybe that's the problem. I was gonna say you don't hardware. you don't have a you don't have a year where you have Xenoblade Chronicles three running like it does on the Switch and saying the Switch is a fail. I'm sorry. I know Monolith Soft is good. Yeah. But it's that's yeah. it all comes down to the developer, frankly. The the, the Chrono Cross stuff is really kind of par for the course with whoever handles those sort of remasters of the PS one uh, stuff. Pokemon. Like, Sure, oh, Pokemon's yeah. a different story. Pokemon is I mean, a very different story. Pokemon is story. a technical disaster, but that's yeah. not because of the hardware. It's because of the programmers. Well, well as Cal L says, not everyone can be monolith. That's absolutely true. But there's like other, like Dragon Quest Treasures is not monolith. It's not like monolith quality, but it's still perfectly playable. It's Builders it's Monk- runs real good on the Switch. Yeah, Capcom like, put out Monster Hunter Rise, Builders which has tons of incredibly detailed monsters. Yeah, all see, doing Capcom knows what they're doing with without the, with the frame Switch. rate drops. I mean, yeah. come on. Mar- Mario vs. Rabbit, uh, Mario plus Rabbit oh, Sports. Mario's yeah. and Rabbits. Also Mario plus Rabbits. Rabbits looks phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Seriously. That is an underrated game of the year. Once we get to like talking about some of the ones that were kind of the the underrated gems, which I think is further down the question line, that's definitely one I want to talk about. I, I think that there, there were a lot of games that I think did well on the Switch. Uh, even you know, Cat, I think in a thread you brought up, Persona Five Royal runs fine on the Switch. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. And yeah. another another remaster slash port we've been waiting for a while. Finally mm-hmm. got it. Yep. Uh, uh, and, I have it. Uh, near. Yeah, it was my I can't excuse believe, like, to jump I would back have in expect and... that game to be a 
a cloud-based game, like the horrible Kingdom Hearts cloud-based game. Yeah. And it I runs natively on Kingdom Switch Hearts. and runs arguably better than it did on PS4. I mean, it's come great. on. Yeah, it's fantastic. I forgot they put Kingdom Hearts on cloud. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That was a thing yeah. that happened. What a bummer. Oh, the whole thing. They called it. They gave it a name, too. It was like Integrum or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that what they're calling it now, kids? Yeah, is this this is a TikTok is... trend? Yeah, that's that's the new TikTok trend. Everybody's talking about Integrum. Uh, yeah, it's it's just an up and down of depending on, you know, I, I do find it's a case of sometimes is the studio working on just a switch thing or is it working on multi-plat and is the focus kind of more clearly on other stuff. But I will say in, in light of the next gen updates, the, the ports, the remasters and stuff, we do have to talk about cyberpunk because cyberpunk basically got a second lease on life this year between the next gen update and the anime uh, and, and Witcher I'm hearing Kind of a little bit more mixed things about the next gen update for for Witcher. Yeah, I got it on um, PC. Uh, the, on and PC the ray tracing it, it, doesn't yeah, work. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's broken. Which, which again, like combined with Cyberpunk's launch, makes you wonder like what's yeah. what's happening over there. At CDPR. They, they, yeah, they should have been a little more careful given how much the PR they're trying to repair it, and it's like here's a port that kind of sucks on computer. Uh, uh, I, I'm getting on PS5, so it doesn't bother me. I, I, I will say that. That Edge Runners, which I still haven't finished, um, oh, a great so anime good. does not make a good game great. Yes, yes, yeah. And and part of the the turn on twenty seventy seven that I have is like everyone's like, oh, this is a great game. No, it's it's not. Mm-mm, mm-mm. But it was fine once the bugs were fixed, and that's back to the six out of 10. Like you can have fun with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And it's enjoyable. I don't think it's like bad, but I don't think it's great either. And I think a lot of the edge runner stuff turned people who were like, no, it's great. No, not really. <laughs> we talked about this back when edge runners came out and, and then I got to talk about it again because I decided for some reason to do a, an entire year's worth of podcasts about cyberpunk for reasons that still escape my understanding. And, uh, I, I do agree with you completely that the anime did not turn things around. It's not like the anime came out and all of a sudden cyberpunk 2077 was good. I think what it did for me and what it probably did for other people is it made them see that the world of cyberpunk, you know, the tabletop world that the game is an adaptation of is a cool setting is an interesting setting and that there's a lot of room for things to be done with that setting and so that's why i still am excited for phantom liberty i'm excited for 2078 or whatever we want to call the the sequel that they're working on i do think that you can do something in this realm i just don't think that 2077 or at least the a plot of 2077 is anything that over the top or interesting but edge runners really did make me go like oh huh and when i went back into this for normandy fm i was like you know there's ideas here. They've, they've got something in the works. They need to make hacking cooler. They need to do, you know, <laughs> have, have the gunplay feel better, but it, there's enough here that people are going to find stuff. I've seen crazy TikTok clips of people doing wild stuff with the combat system in that game. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, CD project red start to build up on that and turn the cyberpunk narrative around fully. Yeah. Uh, I don't I, think I it's think there yet. The systems as they are, yet. are just too shallow. 
The, the, yeah. It's not just that the gunplay doesn't feel great, which it doesn't. It's that it's way too easy to gain the system and find one tactic that will take you through the entire game in a very boring way, ultimately. And well, you get these giant tech trees that really don't do much of anything. It's uh, uh, it's not that deep of a game, ultimately. No, and, and there's a better... Uh, I, I saw it briefly on this list, but maybe it's gone. Oh, there it is. It's in June. Shadowrun Trilogy of what that's trying to do in that mm, sort of cyberpunkish yeah. world is a better set of games. Mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say for Cyberpunk 2077, if you have not played The Witcher 1, the jump from The Witcher 1 to The Witcher 2 to The Witcher 3 is huge, astounding. Yeah. So I'm hoping that Cyberpunk 2078 or whatever will have that, that like, okay, here's what we did wrong last time. Mm-hmm. Here's mm-hmm. what we did right. Let's... Like we were talking with Harvestella or whatever, yeah. you know, like right, the second right. game I think will be a lot better. My, I do well, think. I, re- I remember the first time I played Witcher Two on PC on a on a mod- super modern PC for 2011, and that was the first time that I really got a glimpse of what the the PS4 and the Xbox One would look like. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple years later, it it was a dang good looking game in 2011. Mm-hmm. I have to say, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do think that specifically Cyberpunk also shines a light on another major trend that we saw in in 2022 and that was rpg developers still trying to figure out open world design i think and i do think that that monolith soft lead the pack in this regard um i think arceus was actually a really really cool open world design that just needs that polish it needs that sequel like we were talking about whereas scarlet violet has one really good idea at the end of the game, but it buries it at the end of the game. <laughs> and uh, that's kind of a whole thing. I, I do think that we're getting closer to developers starting to wrap their heads around open world design, but Elden Ring is probably still the best case of this on the list. Yeah. I, I hate to just turn this into the Elden Ring show, but man, Elden Ring. That was a great game. How was really the first time that we anyone... brought it up. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask in terms of open world, did anyone play Star Ocean? I did not, but I heard okay things. Yeah, I did a review episode with John Linneman. Yeah, he liked it a lot. Go go check out our review episode with John Linneman. He was he was into it. Mm -hmm. I would say, yeah. You want to talk about a seven out of ten game that (laughs) is still very lovable? I I think Star Ocean falls into that category. I I couldn't because of the, the. the art design, I just the there's faces, something about that art. Yeah, their faces are so there. tiny. I just faces haunt me. Yeah. I don't know. I wanted to. I just can't <laughs> around to it. I might like if I get it on sale or something like that. Like give it a try. Yeah, that's one I'm going to pick up eventually. I'm not going to play it. I'm just telling you now. That's I'm never going to get over <laughs> that art style. <laughs> no, it's I mean, It's like uh, it's, it's almost like as bad as you know Blade Chronicles too. Yeah. Wow! Wow! <laughs> wow! I wouldn't go that far. Yeah. Wow. Xenoblade Chronicles uh, 2. I'm sorry. That protagonist, he's one of the worst designed protagonists I've ever seen in a video game. With he's those like, huge pants and that terrible hair. God, talk about a le- one of the least appealing protagonists to ever play as in a video he's game. He's literally the, the kid from Tales of Symphonia with the bag. Uh, it's just the same character. They just copy pasted that that kid over. It's the same person. And Carol and from Vesperia. Vesperia. Sorry, Vesperia. And don't get me started okay, on that terrible gotcha system. God, I, 
Sorry, Xenoblade Chronicles it did, it 2 is not job, a big game. Though. It did its job, which was to call attention to the game on social media. I can't it did it. Like it, 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 I I am devastated. A system designed that... to promote the game, but it has no deeper function within the game. Come on! But it worked. It, and it's a yeah. I I I think there's something compelling there in in the in the gotcha system. But I I I'm devastated that Cosmos's cameo was wasted on Xenoblade Two. Uh, when I would uh, if if someone said to me that she's in three. I'd buy it immediately right now. Uh, but we, we even, gotta get even Cosmos her... and Smash. That's where it's it's got to happen. Yeah. Listen, uh, that's what I've been saying for a long time. I'm surprised that never happened. I'm surprised that Cosmos wasn't at least a an assist trophy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I want to say yeah. she might be a normal trophy, like one of the ones you can just unlock and or maybe like a spirit or something. I want to say she like I, somehow I appeared she in that game. I don't think she's in there at all. I Number one Cosmos fanboy right here. I, There's like I a would, million things know. in that game, so I could be completely pulling this out of my yeah. ass. But <laughs> did you uh, you played Project Cross Zone too, right, Victor? She's in of that. Of course. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Oh, you mean Fiora. the game with Cosmos and Sakura Wars? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I've yeah. played the crap Wars out of that game. That. <laughs> the Venn diagram. It's centered on me. <laughs> uh, another thing I want to point out as a trend this year, though. Um, Number one, the Steam Deck being a big thing and making it so easy yes. to play RPGs on my couch. Shout out to the Steam Deck. But as an addendum to that, indie RPGs were slamming this year. Some fantastic indie RPGs. Citizen Sleeper is such a good RPG, such an like original take on an RPG. Describe how it's an Echoes. RPG. Like what what is RPG? I thought it was more of a visual novel. No, so so the way the way Citizen Sleeper works is that uh you wake up you you are an artificial body so the whole setup is that a sleeper is that you are uh a consciousness that has been copied from a person so a person has sold a control c control v of their consciousness to a corporation to then put in an artificial body and put to work in a labor camp or something sounds wonderful Uh, so, so you are an escaped sleeper so you uh you end up on Erlen's eye, which is this outpost at the edge of the universe, okay, you know, okay. place for so you don't outcasts. have to tell me the whole story. Just tell me. No, like, I'm getting, how I'm is getting there. RPG? Don't worry. We're getting there. I promise <laughs> we're getting there. Uh, you, but this is important because the whole idea is that your body is naturally decaying. Like you have planned obsolescence. Uh, and so every day you wake up and you have meters that are like hunger, energy, and the amount of things that you can do. So you roll die. And then you have like, you know, just a D six and a certain number of them, depending on how much like life force you have left in your body to be able to do things that day. And then you take those die and you slot them into things you want to do on the board, almost like Yahtzee kind of, and you're going like, (laughs) okay, well I need to make some money today so I can put a die here to like, I can put a six here. Six is a guaranteed success with added positives. I can put that here. I'll get money. I might even get a bonus, but that means I've got like a three and a two left for the day. And so that means when I go to get food, I could put my two there and it might fail because a two can either be a neutral outcome or a failure. And if you fail, you might take damage to your health while trying to get food or something like that. It is a very like tabletop idea put into a virtual system but it works really well because now you're just making all these decisions about like you roll the die and you say how am i going to deal with this today how am i going to survive 
day to day in this artificial body that is falling apart around me because you need medicine to, to maintain your body. You need food to maintain your health. You need to work jobs and then you need to socialize to meet people, expand your horizons, explore more parts of the eye. It's a really, really cool, interesting way of, of like, it feels like a single player tabletop RPG. I was about to say, uh, so it is in a, a very TTRPG. classical sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually, it is heavily based off of Blades in the Dark. If you've ever heard of that tabletop RPG system, it, it takes a lot of inspiration from that. Uh, and I, I like that a lot because I do think a lot of games are also looking at tabletop RPGs for inspiration. We talked about this in like Hidden Gems and some other stuff that Baldur's Gate is just a D&D campaign. Speaking You're just playing a of... really overproduced D&D campaign. Pathfinder Wrath of the Righteous came out on consoles. It is very good. If you have been Mm -hmm. playing Mm -hmm. Baldur's Gate 3. you're a Pathfinder Wrath of the Righteous fan. Oh, yes. I I really love uh, Alcat games. They are the next, like, the jump that Larian made from Mm. game to game, Mm -hmm. from Divinity Original to Sin 2 to um, now Baldur's Gate 3. Alcat is making those those jumps just as well. Like Pathfinder was pretty good. Wrath of the Righteous is great. And I've been telling people, like if you play uh, the early access Baldur's Gate three, and you're like, this isn't really Baldur's Gate. Wrath of the Righteous is the game that you probably want to play because Mm -hmm. that is (laughs) very Baldur's Gate, like in the way that the one and two were. Um, It's a very good game. It takes a whole lot of time though but yeah that's pathfinder was my uh you know back in the u.s gamer days divinity original sin 2 was my i will fight for this game that no one else has played <laughs> we all had Path- those games <laughs> pathfinder wrath of the righteous is my my other one yeah that one um yeah i i, I agree with the divinity original sin 2 uh comparison it's one of those games it's very dense it was crowdfunded as i recall yeah, much like uh, Divinity Original Sin Two, very much geared toward old school PC uh, RPG fans. Oh, we reviewed it with Jason Wilson, uh, who extolled its virtues. I don't know if it's a game that I would want to play on anything but a PC. If I'm being honest, I but. do. Yeah, I have no clue how the console version turned out. This is more of a. It's it's similar to when like Disco Elysium came out on PC, and I was like, this is great. And I was like, I'm just waiting for it to come out on consoles so other people can yeah. play it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if the console version had good controls. Like even Larian, it took a while for them to really land on something that worked for Divinity Original Sin 2. So, yeah. I, I, w- I want to return to the Steam Deck really quickly mm-hmm. because I think that its impact can't be discounted. In so many ways. Um, I think that PC games and console games have become one in so many ways. And the Steam Steam Deck is symbolic of that. And more and more, it just makes total sense to put games on PC day and day with the the console version. So you can get that uh, Steam Deck verified. And it's a hobbyist system, but it's very popular. Um, It works... I have to say, like, I was pretty down on it for a while, but I have really come around on it, as have a lot of people. Um, You definitely want to go and uh, learn a lot of the tweaks to make it run well. And frankly, it's completely made me rethink how I approach RPGs, like purchasing RPGs. For example, like, I got, I don't think I would have gotten Witcher 3 on PC if not for the Steam Deck. 
Um, yeah. But I was like, well, I want to play Witcher 3 on my Steam Deck. So I got it on my PC as well. And because the Switch, yes, the Switch is getting a little long on tooth. Uh, there are some games I would not want to play on the Switch. Witcher 3 is definitely mm-hmm. one of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there are games that I like when I st- take a step back and go, eh, I'm sure it's fine on Switch, but I'd rather play it on my PC. Um, that's where the the Steam Deck ultimately comes in. And uh, it kind of goes double for a lot of RPGs because I think RPGs have long been a phenomenally well-suited to handheld devices yeah, like, uh, and, like the Steam Deck. I, and I will say, like, in the same way that, uh, you know, like a couple of years ago, you'd be like, well, is it coming to Switch? Would hurt you? Does it work on Steam Deck? Uh, Midnight Suns, I enjoy, but the fact that it doesn't quite work on Steam Deck is like my biggest hurt against it. I'm like, oh, come on, I, man. I kind of like that, though, because like, so Midnight Suns is a game that I absolutely want to play sitting at a keyboard. Like XCOM is a game that I want to be like in full commander mode, right? Like I want to be like just completely pulled in like I am locked in I'm commanding the troops and stuff but when I'm playing tactics ogre or whatever I just want to be chilling on the couch I just want to be hanging back I want to be looking at all my moves and be like hmm maybe I can go here maybe I can go there oh now I'm distracted by the anime that's on my tv right now so I'm not (laughs) gonna watch for a little bit but I can come right back there's nothing important happening we're good and I I do find that the steam deck it isn't just the fact that it is a portable PC with a little bit more oomph than the switch. It's the shared library with my already capable PC. And the fact that I constantly have the option and cloud saves are so functional with it that even if I get something, it ends up being like, ah, it doesn't run great on steam deck. Or it turns out like I, I booted a vampire survivors the other night and I was like, you know what? I don't like playing this on my steam deck. I, I just want to play it on my, my PC where, where I'm used to it, where I have the WASD to move around. Cause I'm so used to the WASD and the control stick feels wrong. Yeah. And, and you have the option and the option is really what does it for me. And, yeah. and I do think that on top of that cloud gaming has gradually become more and more of a thing. The backbone has become very popular. Logitech has some weird cloud streaming device that it has. We're, we're getting more and more ways to kind of have this like shared library and where a device is just kind of accessing a service and not necessarily having everything very siloed off to the console that it has to be on. Yeah, I love cross save and cross progression. That's one of the best things uh, that was added to uh, the Witcher 3 next gen remake. And I'm sure that they'll get the, the tech stuff in line soon enough. And Abby, look, I have always shown a willingness to retract my hottest of takes. <laughs> if new evidence or or just depending on how I'm like particularly feeling, like I, I do not hold and fast. I will evolve my takes. That is true. That is true. You do that. Even though we fight, you do that. Yeah. There may come a time I, I wouldn't want to meet her. There may be a cat out there who likes Final Fantasy fourteen someday. Hey. What? You don't she want sounds to meet great. her? I think you should meet everyone, her. Everyone, everyone. <laughs> She'd probably be, be pretty annoying, actually. <laughs> She'd be like, Cat, but seriously, I gotta tell you about this one stupid quest in like Stormbringer 
front. Close enough. <laughs> Stormbringer front. Right. You were really close That would close be a very there. disturbing version oh. of Final Fantasy fourteen. That's the worst expansion ever. It's like right. saying, KKK, that's not good. <laughs> the crusty comedy uh, comeback or whatever it was. No, you don't understand. There's a new NPC who's got a scythe and she can murder me and I will let her. And I need to tell you why this NPC is very good. Uh, That's, that'll be you. So bad for that'll zero. be you. There are, there are so many in. things you would like in this game, Cat. I'm, I'm sure. I'm just not going to devote 1,500 hours to finding them. Yeah, my, it's it's my the One Piece is. problem. Like I can't, you can't start One Piece now. Just, the the secret the is you have to trick Cat into watching and, and consuming the media that you know she will like, and that's what the Autumn of Avatar was about. <laughs> <laughs> you have to trick Cat. It's true. What you got to Reese's pieces it out, and Cat will follow them in. I did the the wraps uh, for the Switch and the uh, the PlayStation. Oh, Something that surprised that. me. I played more PlayStation 5 than I did Switch this year. Oh, interesting. But I why? What were you playing on PlayStation that. 5? Elden Ring. Ah, oh, right, 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 right. Of also, course. That makes sense. Also, Returnal still. Also, oh, FIFA. Yeah. So, ah, damn FIFA. The three headed monster definitely mm, uh, mm-hmm, grabbed. Mm-hmm. And uh, two of those were definitely not RPGs. Interesting. I True. admit I did not do a ton of Switch this year. I do Switch was probably my no. But there the were Xbox more games that came most. out la- this year than last year, arguably. Like good ones. There were. I just played a lot of them on on PC. I think probably. Like a lot of them that did came out were also had PC iterations, like Triangle Strategy or something like that. So I'd mm. be like, oh, I'll mm-hmm. wait or I just played it on pc instead uh i don't know why it wasn't like i didn't look at my switch and was like ah i'm done with you it was just like (laughs) i never really like got there except for like you know sparks of hope where it was just on switch Mm -hmm. right right on xenoblade xenoblade's only on legends arceus was by far the game that i put the most time into i loved arceus uh, I put like, and that was like 40 hours. And then it was another like 10 hours for Kirby, which was like quite fast. Yeah. And, you know, Xenoblade, uh, Scarlet Violet. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I put a lot of time into Shovel Knight Dig. Like, mm. I mm-hmm. love that. I bought that on your, I bought that on your recommendation, Nadia. Did you like mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do actually. It's fun. It's I, very I, twitchy. It's fun. I like it a lot. Yeah. I did end up buying a ton of Switch. This, this, the the Wii Wii shop went down, or oh. the Wii U shop, one of the shops. Oh, one yeah, of the, the shops Wii U and 3DS shop both went so down. So I went and started buying like everything I had on Switch physically, like just rebuying it because I had done the Switch up until now, just mostly digital. Right. So I just bought a ton of games this year for Switch. But I, I didn't play the system as much. Like, I bought all the Atelier games on Switch this year. Wow. Yeah. That's weird. He's reminded me there's a Switch game I got to buy. Asuxa <laughs> said that I may have played more Analog Pocket than Switch this year. I mean, 2022 might have been the year of me getting a new device, like an Analog Pocket or a Steam Deck, spending a lot of time fiddling with it, getting new games on it, getting it perfectly optimized, and being like, cool, and then moving on with my life. 
My favorite game yeah. of 2022 was optimizing games on whatever device I was using at that particular moment and then not playing them. <laughs> Are there any good RPGs on the play date? Uh, no, actually. Uh, there is I looked- <laughs> No, there is one. There's one. I forgot what the name of it is, but there's like a dungeon crawler thing that's on there. Um, okay. I think the play date is ultimately a system that I wanted more out of and probably want an actual like storefront out of versus yeah, I, you know what they did was yeah. kind of novel and interesting, but the sort of you get a game every week and that's it meant that the first two or three weeks I got some games that I kind of messed around with, but weren't really clicking with me. And I was like, am I going to keep waiting to see if the next week has the game that hooks me? Probably not. What and so Frank do on that thing. What doesn't the anything? Do? Let me tell yeah, you that, it, you know, <laughs> whatever they um, want it to do. Yeah, it's literally like it is. It is intended to be a fully functional just thing that you can use for whatever crazy idea. So it can be a fishing reel. It can be uh, like a zoom on a camera lens. It can be a bike wheel. It can be a thing that moves time forward or backward. It's just whatever you want to do cool. for the crank. I like that that concept. Yeah. I like you can also just not use the crank lot. if you don't want to yeah. use it. The there, there are some games that people have like homebrewed that don't use the crank, and, that, and that's the thing. The homebrew people scene are homebrewing is good, on but... the play date. Really? <laughs> oh yeah, um, like there's a good dev scene for it. They put a lot of really good open source tools out there, and they were like, "Hey, make stuff." So if you go on itch and you go looking for playdate stuff, you'll find some cool things out there. Yeah, I, I got an analog pocket. I just haven't used it much because I already mm, had like yeah. an Ambernick and a Retroid. So like I I've already purchased the a number pocket, of these. Though it's like chef's it's, kiss. It's it, so beautiful. I love it so much. Emulator cores now. Oh my god! Like I play mine so much. My uh, my housemate Ryan also got an analog pocket, and he put all the emulator cores on there. And he was showing me Super Metroid. He was showing me the the Zelda Link to the Past Super Metroid mashup on it, and I was just mm. like, "This is so gorgeous! I want to sit here and play it." I didn't know and, that exists. That sounds cool. Uh, no, it's it's really cool. It's a, it's very it's a favorite with speedrunners. I got um, mm-hmm. The way it mm-hmm. works, Nadia, is that you'll be playing Super Metroid, getting all these items, and then you'll go through a door and you'll be in A Link to the Past, and then you're That's playing cool. through that, and it's completely randomized. That's awesome. Yeah, I think they've shown it on um, Games Done Quick in the past. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, interesting year for games in general. Um, I think that the last point I want to make before we move on to the next section is... I think that 2022 was impacted by the pandemic more than we could have ever guessed. Um, I think it is evidenced by how many games were released in kind of shoddy technical states or were fixed after the fact. I think Pokemon is case, uh, case a exhibit a of that. I, I, I I am convinced that Scarlet and Violet was badly impacted by the pandemic. Um, also, the the games that got delayed, like Starfield and uh, mm-hmm. Tears of the Kingdom. Um, I think that that is why like, we had a lot of good games, a lot of good smaller games. But in so many ways, I feel like uh, this year was a, was a bit of a strange year for entertainment and games in general, I think. In so many ways, I felt like the world was kind of getting its feet under it. Um, again, after the pandemic, yeah, and we lost. That's, a... that's to say nothing of the war in Ukraine and shortages and God knows what else. 
Yeah, we lost a couple of games to to 2023, like uh, One Piece Odyssey, which is the RPG. Mm-hmm. That was 2022. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm half thinking that Fire Emblem Engage probably would have been 2022. There were rumors uh, that it was going to be like an October game or a November game, and then when it got announced, they were like January, and I was true. like, I looked at that and I was like, yeah, they haven't said anything. Like when they officially talked about it, it was January, but that's a really awkward time to launch a game yeah uh i mean that's when they released legends arceus did all right yeah i thought yeah. legends arceus was a feb it was a january game. was it was it like it was, late yeah, january? january elden ring was a february game oh yeah you're right you're right you're right yeah i feel like um, fire emblem engage is getting memory hold in, uh, in some ways it, it is i i am diving into that memory hole because it is serving all of my worst wants for, for fire emblem. It, looks okay. it, it it looks like the most fan servicey game for fire emblem fans that i've ever seen and god feed it to me with a shovel and look <laughs> fi- fi- fire emblem did something for tactics games that midnight suns continued and let it let us carry that torch forward with fire emblem engage every tactics game must have a relationship system it 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 really needs to. It really needs Soccer to. Soccer Wars. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. C- credit to the original. Credit to the original. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking, no, maybe I mean, that's why the Advance Wars has been delayed into oblivion. They're they adding a relationship the system. They can't figure out how to make tank. tanks kiss. Yeah. It's it's really difficult. It turns out to make the tanks kiss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. Those are all the trends of 2022. And now it's time for a series of random encounters. I'm going to do it a little bit different this time around. We'll have five big stories that kind of defined games and RPGs in 2022. And I'll start with the war in Ukraine, which, yes, it was a, it was a tragedy in so many ways that had a huge impact that we're only just starting to understand, I think, on global supply chains of how we look at the world, game developers around the world. Um, they were talking about in the chat about how the the maker of EverDrives was based in the Ukraine and had to flee. And there's a real chance that the EverDrive, which is like not, you can't really just make those. There's a chance that the EverDrives could have just gone away. And we would not have had those anymore. 
So uh, luckily, they're still being made, which is a miracle. But And obviously, there are much worse things happening in the Ukraine. Um, actually, my housemate, Ina, is um, uh, ethnically Ukraine. And so that's been something that has been really impacting us, I think. But um, obviously, a huge story, a huge overarching story throughout 2022. Um, also, a lot of delays, as we were already mentioning. Uh, we lost both Tears of the Kingdom and Starfield, among many other games. I think losing twenty, losing Starfield, in particular, had a huge impact on the fall calendar. It left just an absolute black hole in Xbox's release schedule. Yeah. I was about to say they Xbox had nothing is, this year. Had had <laughs> a lot of nothing, and they there's rumors that they're going to have a a presentation sometime in q1 they need it because they need stuff like they acquired a whole bunch of stuff but none of those developers have anything new yet so like we're still waiting for all of those acquisitions to like pay off yeah you look at some of the ones that like third-party partners that xbox has backed and their projects like Stalker and Replaced, which were both displaced by the war in Ukraine. So like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. There again, yeah. there there were a lot of, I think, more now than than maybe ever before. Like the games industry has had to really examine how global events do impact the things that happen mm-hmm. in the games industry and and the way that things shake out. I. Robo Riley says in the chat, it's weird for Xbox to have nothing since they bought every studio FTC pending. I'm convinced again that's a pandemic. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. they would have Bad loved to have had part. I mean, first of all, they had to rebuild their studio stru- system from scratch after nuking it during the Xbox One era. So that's mm-hmm. no small thing. But the pandemic just threw everything out of whack in and, so and many also- ways. A lot of these studios that they bought, like, so, you know, when they bought uh, In Exile, they had just launched Wasteland 3. So any Mm -hmm. next game was going to start then. The same with Obsidian, like any... Compulsion, yeah. Yeah, like any next game that all of these studios that they bought were working on are going to take even the normal amount of time. So let's say three years. And then you also add the pandemic in. And now it's like, you know... Even three years at the latest meaning means we'd get stuff like now or twenty twenty four. Add the pandemic in, that's twenty twenty five, maybe more. Yeah. Who knows? So uh I think a lot of that was they bought a lot of stuff, but when they bought those studios was in, in a a specific like like one of the other acquisitions was Sony buying Bungie. Bungie's in the middle of Destiny 2. They're making mm-hmm. other games, but mm-hmm. we're not going to see those games for a while. Mm-hmm. Right, right. There are a lot of acquisitions in 2022. Sony acquired Bungie. Microsoft acquired Activision Blizzard, maybe. Uh, <laughs> and the Embracer Group yeah. acquired everybody, in, in particular yeah. Square Enix West, which it almost seems like they might be starting to regret that a tiny bit and also the lord of the rings middle earth enterprises which means oh, right. effectively mm-hmm. they get access to lord of the rings <laughs> i forgot that's a about huge that. story i would say that's one of the biggest stories for rpgs we're gonna get a lot of lord of the rings games probably of questionable quality at some point in the near future 
Oh, I also don't think that you can discount what NetEase is doing um, in the background, vacuuming up so many veteran Japanese developers and mm. giving them mm-hmm. the money to start their own studios in China, uh, through China. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, at the very least, you got the, the uh, Nagoshi from RGG Studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, what, what, you, like, you're like, what are you going to do now that you're free? Because, like, uh, a lot of the sort of the last generation was developer sort of getting stuck in to a specific, like whatever you were doing, that is the thing that you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, like mm-hmm. the one franchise, the one game or whatever. And towards the end of the last generation and into this generation, it's been developers leaving these big studios to go do their own thing. And it's like, okay, so show me what you're going to do now that you're free. So I'm, I'm interested to see what happens to him there. Henry Cavill left the Witcher. <laughs> That's not strictly an RPG <laughs> news, but I think that it, I mean, it certainly impacted my day job and yeah, I bet it did. <laughs> there's a lot of crossover interest, I think, because obviously the Witcher is a huge game the Witcher is a huge show. It's a big book series. So, and of course, Henry Cavill is a notable giant nerd who is now going to be in a Warhammer show. Apparently, well, I think look, this it'll turn out fine for him. He'll play Superman. Now, let me take a big swig not, out of my never been wrong mug and take a look at Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> he's not playing Superman. I, I know. I'm, I'm making a joke. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um RIP. It, no, I thought it was I thought it was very funny that he left The Witcher and everyone was like, "Oh, he's doing it to play Superman." And then immediately he was like, "He's not playing Superman, Superman. anymore." Sure ain't. And he was Poor like, guy. "Well, kind of that screw one, y'all, I'm making Warhammer." <laughs> I mean, I would love to know what the conversations were like um behind the scenes with The Witcher. And finally, rest in peace to Google Stadia. We hardly knew ye. We hardly knew ye indeed. We really Jeez. did hardly know ye. Yeah. yeah. R.I.P. to one the one person room. playing Cyberpunk on the stadia. What we a were mess. very upset about it. I remember looking at a commercial for that where their whole thing was like some giant guy comes to an apartment and says, hey, you don't need a console to take up all your room. That's okay as a, as a marketing thing. But the thing is, the apartment in this commercial was huge. So it's not mm-hmm. like they were showing like a giant Xbox in a tiny apartment or something. No, it's like, oh no, you have an Xbox in your suburban home. Better get us a, a stadium and save save room. I guess it was so and, stupid. And see, yeah. I actually played Stadia. So Didn't like, you review played, it? Yeah, I reviewed it. He for did US for your gamer. And the technology is fine. Like, and as I said in the review, they're like, still it, using the, the technology. The streaming, yeah, yeah, the streaming works. Mm-hmm. And in fact. For like game demos, it was actually kind of nice. Like you're mm-hmm. just like, mm-hmm. oh hey, you're on a store. Is this game fun? Let me play it for like ten minutes. You don't have to download anything. You just start, you play it, and then you could carry the the save onto when you actually play the game. That's a good idea. That's a that is a good idea. But like when I did the review for the Xbox game streaming, like streaming does not work as the only console. And it definitely doesn't work as the only console if you're you have to buy the games and you can't like yes. you don't have another yeah, physical yeah. copy of them. You need Game Pass in there, and that was like what X Cloud ended up figuring out was 
the silver bullet is it has to be like Netflix in some ways. You need that ability to just be like, ooh, neat, and play a game. It can't be like, all right, try a game out. Did you like that? Pay me seventy dollars. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's too much of a a jump and upsell there. And and Google was was never Google was never interested in in getting beyond that. I think they like toyed around with starting up some studios and then didn't start up those studios and let me just take a big sip out of my Google never quits anything half done mug and take a look <laughs> at the history of Google. <laughs> yeah. And, and Amazon had the same problem. Uh, and Amazon, I think has sort of settled finally as a game publisher into what they're going to do. Like they just signed on to publish um, the Tomb Raider game from Crystal Dynamics, um, which you know, they tried to make their own studios and make games that didn't work. Uh, yeah. Crucible, Breakaway died, New World crashed and burned, and then they hit Lost Ark, and they're like, wait, what if we just sell a game that somebody else made <laughs> and put our name on it's it? It's funny, it's actually and New World's coming worked. back. New World's coming back, Mike. Not a good MMO, uh, we'll but it's see. coming back. We'll see. We'll see. Didn't I they don't... basically reboot it? Essentially, I've heard that, but I haven't Already? looked. Yes, God, that they was boring. To. I, I that game was agony to play. I never okay. played it at all. What's the new one they're coming out with? Blue something. Uh, blue, blue, blue protocol. But blue protocol. Oh, blue protocol one. looks good. Yeah, like that was that is a game that Bandai Namco has been hyping up for a while, and mm-hmm. all Amazon has done this time is gone. Hey, we have money. What if we publish your game that you're already making elsewhere? And that's yeah. a good plan. Uh, that's what they're doing Tomb Raider to, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Amazon has figured out what they're doing. And yes, Blue Protocol looks good. Ding. I'm still waiting for uh, Project Fantasy, RE Fantasy and Grand Blue hmm. Fantasy RE Link. Oh, Fantasy Relink. Yeah. Those were my three RPGs to wait for. So at least one of them is coming out. Uh, we've seen gameplay of at least one of the other ones, the Grand Blue Fantasy. Project RE Fantasy from Atlas. Who knows where that is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. My next question for all y'all is, what were some of your favorite RPGs of 2022? And... I guess I'll just start with my favorite RPG of 2022, and it's an obvious one. And we uh, talked a little bit about it already, but it's obviously Elden Ring, a game that I played by far the most of. And in fact, it was kind of the year of the souls born for me because I also finished Bloodborne back in January for our Pantheon Game Club, which proved to be a perfect warm up, per- put me perfectly into the mindset of playing Elden Ring. And I have to say, I appreciate that game even more looking back on it. It was a really exquisite open world experience. I loved how it ran. Oddly, the PS4 version was one of the best ones to play on the PS5, so that was the one that I got. Yeah, that's what I played. Um, the, 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 the vibes of the world. People talk about games being vibes. That, this game, that game was pure vibes. Um, the, the detail of the individual biomes, the incredible scope of the, uh, of the legacy dungeons um, 
astonishing. It was, it was an astonishing game. And there's a reason that so many, that it's still so much in the zeitgeist right now and how it, why it won game of the year by acclamation, the game awards is that it's just the best game that came out in 2022 period. And we're going to be remembering this game for a very long time. I think uh, it, it's, it brought Soulsborne truly into the mainstream. And there's a reason for that. It's more accessible than ever. It's more fun to play. It really kind of softened the edges of it, but without sacrificing what everything that made Soulsborne great. Yeah. Uh, as Super Moot puts here in the chat, like wandering to Kaled is splendid. Yeah. That's something I think everybody did was... Uh, it, it, it was like such an interesting challenge where you open a treasure chest. Oh no, it's trapped. Mm-hmm, and you end up mm-hmm. in this terrible, horrible poisoned wasteland that everything's way too powerful for you. And you know, you're supposed to run. And that's like your first real big challenge. Like get back safely from this blasted land out of like, you know, a nightmare. And that's just like, so it was frustrating, but so exciting because in, in the end, Soulsborne games can be kind of forgiving when you die. It all depends on what you're doing and, and how you're doing it. But if you are trying to make that repeated run to safety, it was kind of presented in a way that wasn't too frustrating. I found that it was good at balancing its difficulty with its frustration. Uh, I did kind of almost burn myself out by trying to kill, uh, what's her name, Elena? Blade of Michaela. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm, I'm amazed that you did that. She's never known defeat. <laughs> If she knows defeat now is what she does because I <laughs> sat there and I just like over and over and over. I'm not someone who bangs my head against the wall when it comes to games, but something in me was just like, I got to beat this chick and her stupid wings and her stupid butterflies. Like I'm tired of her. So mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. did eventually. And I did it myself. Stupid I didn't wings, have like stupid butterflies. <laughs> I did have one of my souls with me. I think it was, it wasn't the black blade teach her name was, but, um, I can't remember who I used, but they were really good and uh, they helped a lot. Anything to do with the bleed status really did her in, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I remember my favorite, one of my favorite memories of this year actually was summoning someone to try to help me fight her. And her name was Simon Belmont, and they were literally built like Simon Belmont. They died really quickly, but it was funny. Uh, I, I, I will say I, I liked uh, Elden Ring of what I played enough that I was like, you know what, I just need to knuckle down. And go back, and so amid my switch spree, I went and bought all of the souls. So I was like, "Let's just let's just knuckle down and do it," you know. And I, I put out a poll, and I guess according to my poll, I have to play Bloodborne first, then Dark Souls. Oh, no, no. Demon Souls, no. then Dark Souls one, two, three. Mm. Start with so. play Elden Ring. I, I'm sorry, like I love Bloodborne, but it was Wait, just like when I was playing Bloodborne. Played, have you not played Elden Ring? I, I have. I've played okay. Elden Ring. I you didn't played Elden oh, Ring. You're going back. I, I, I think now. that okay. you should start with the Demon Souls PS5 remake, mm-hmm. and then uh, pay no attention See, to the people who are like, no, you have to play it on PS3 to get the true experience. No, uh, why? So you can hitch. Play the PS5 version, and then play Dark Souls one, two, and three, and then Bloodborne. Bloodborne, yeah, that's what play, I play Bloodborne thought, last. Everyone was like, "Bloodborne yeah. needs to come first. Well, no, no, here's no. the other thing, though. Really Bloodborne good, is such but... an exquisite experience, and mm-hmm. it's arguably my favorite of the Soulsborne games, even maybe slightly above Elden Ring. It that I wouldn't want to be burned out on Soulsborne before I experienced it. See, so I played, 
I've played some of Elden Ring. I have played all of Bloodborne, but that was when it came out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't remember much. And then I played Scholar of the First Sin for a review. Yeah. But I didn't beat it because I was we were I was the secondary reviewer. So mm-hmm. I was I, I'm only like part of the way. And I, what I remember of Scholar of the First Sin is like when it came out, there was a bug. So weapon durability was like tied to frame rate or something like that. So yep, weapons were yep, breaking yep, 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 yep. at yep. twice the speed. Mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. I didn't have the the grounding in souls like that. Yeah. So I I just assumed this was how it was. But I actually do have uh, Demon Souls on PS3. I did beat that long ago. But that, again, that was oh, when it came out. Look at you. You, I mean, you made it sound like you were such a Soulsborne noob when you picked up Scholar Souls of the First Virgin. I beat Demon <laughs> Souls back on the PS3 back in the day. I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah, you're kind you. of a veteran. Dark Souls 2 is a Souls game for the true sickos out there. Let me tell yeah. you. That game. Oh. But to, to bring it back to Elden Ring, there were like two moments in Elden Ring that I knew it was going to be on my game of the year list. And that first one that Nadia mentioned of opening the chest and ending up in Kaled was the first one. And the second one was when I took the teleporter to go to the Hallig tree for the first time. And the Hallig tree is still one of the best like design levels I have seen. I love the Hallig tree. Like it's such a cool, it, it is the moment where it feels more like a souls game because it is this very designed area. It feels like a part of demon souls where you're walking into a specific world and not just like kind of adventuring around, but it has, I love starting out at one of like the furthest branches and going all the way down and like getting to the brace of the tree, the thing that's like holding it to the earth and then like going deeper and deeper into it. And just, Oh, the, the fights that happen, at the end of the mm-hmm. Hallig tree, both obviously millennia, but also the one that you do on that quest line for the, the other red haired girl against oh, all of her sisters or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was a good one. That is such a good fight. And it's honestly one of my favorite from fights. And it is, it, that was the moment to me that I was like, okay, this is the open world thing working because I've seen this quest line and I've carried it through. And, and souls has done that before souls has done quest lines, but they never, they never felt grand to me. They felt very contained. And I know that's probably a thing that some people don't always enjoy about Elden Ring is that everything is on such a larger scale comparatively. And it's more, there, there's less like space for you to fill in in your mind and you're seeing more of the things that are happening. But I do find that in big moments, it really does work when you just run into something and you are awestruck by what you're seeing. Like when I went to the consecrated snowfield for the first time oh, and saw one of those giant skeletons come yes. out, or I saw the walking mausoleum <laughs> that shoots like magical artillery at you. and was just like, <laughs> I am so dead. Like I just, I, I, I didn't know what to do. I was like, what do I do against this? <laughs> like I just die here. <laughs> oh, mm. the game was beautiful. And it wasn't just because of raw graphical fidelity. Somebody said by most standards, Elden Ring is nothing that special in terms of graphics, but in terms of art design, Mm -hmm. Oh my God. I I, I just Mm -hmm. stare at that game all the time. Um, Really, really loved it. Um, Victor, did you play Elden Ring? No, no, I didn't. Oh Oh. no. Uh, Oh no, Victor. You you gotta play it. 
I know, I know. It's one of those ones I'll do eventually, maybe, probably. It's... Uh, the art style isn't my jam. I need cuties. Really? Yeah. No, no, you've, you've played... You've played Shadowbringers. You want Elden Ring. I know he you want, do. He, he, <laughs> he, want, he wants Millennia Chan. As soon as he met Ronnie. Yeah. Oh. As soon as he meets Ronnie. There's Ronnie? Like, oh I'm my in. god. No, he wasn't simping for Ronnie this year. I everyone actually worked really, really, really hard. Hey, and I simped like, for Ronnie. Are you kidding me? Everyone was a tier three sub for Ronnie this Pretty year. Pretty much. Like, she was my time. Uh, give, give me a sec, uh, Vic. I'm seeing if Bandai Namco is making Code Vein two. That's what I was going to say. Is is like the closest I get to that is Code Vein, which which I enjoyed quite a bit. Um, that game has a bonkers character creator, and 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 I, I had a great time with that. Um, uh, that 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 was that's sort of my year in a nutshell though is i i played a lot of old stuff this year whether it was just Nothing a couple years Me too. old Me or too. like i went back to some ps2 stuff this year so i i i really didn't hit many of the big triple a rpgs that came out this year unfortunately uh, i i think the closest thing was was that i i finally you know the switch release of near was the excuse i needed to to push through cuz i've played a bunch of it before but i, I finally pushed through the whole thing and and did that. And I revisited Persona 5 because of the Switch version too. Uh, I mean, really, I'm still plugging away at, at Shin Megami Tensei 5. So, That's a good you know, game. I'm, I love that I'm, game. I'm a little behind, but uh, yeah. Were there any other RPGs that stood out to you? Uh, I mean, if... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you are pretty busy with Final Fantasy fourteen most of the time. Well, sure. <laughs> I mean, uh, listen, I've I've got my timer set to five minutes here, so as soon as we start, we're starting. But um, you know, <laughs> I, I really enjoyed what I played of Stranger of Paradise. Um, mm. That that was oh. this year. That was I, look, Stranger of Paradise was chaos. actually good. It's it actually ass. it's a fun game. It's not uh, amazing, yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's fun. You're the six out of ten, I tell you. Yeah, you're I, I like Elysium in there. <laughs> hey, hey. Um, but I, no, I, I think it's good. I'm, I'm excited about the the DLC that came out recently. Um, I I don't know how many years it will take me to get to the point where I get to do the Gilgamesh fight and the Blue Mage stuff. But I'm I'm excited to to get to that. I don't know. I'll, again, that's. Who knows when I'll get to it? Um, I think uh, uh, on the periphery of the RPG space, this year was the first time a fan translation of any version of Tokimeki Memorial became available in English. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Super Famicom version of that is now playable, um, which I think is fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I mean, th- th- this was a year where I really... I, I delved into a lot of the periphery of the RPG space. And it was, it was a lot of, you know, digging into some, some like PC 98 visual novel stuff that is on the, the edge of what cat mm-hmm. would consider an RPG. But those, those <laughs> Kat, things that the share gatekeeper that of, of RPGs. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Listen, I, I'm going to have an intervention with you about what you refer to as a visual novel. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, it was, it was a lot of weird stuff this year. Uh, one, one thing I did want to mention when, when Eric, you brought up uh, the, the sort of uh, indie scene right now is 
Mm-hmm. And I I don't think you guys have, have talked about it on the show at all, but uh, Anno uh, Mutationum. Um, yeah, that's one that kind of passed me by. I yeah, played the demo of it a while back and liked it, never got around to the final version of it. Yeah, I, I think you'd probably dig it. Uh, really cool uh, pixel art, cyberpunk, uh, uh, you know, deliberately retro feeling, but but <laughs> has that sort of like 2D, HD 2D feel of like the pixel art characters in a 3D world with deliberately pixelated textures. Um, and the combat's fun. It's cool action mm-hmm. uh, uh, RPG. Um and uh, I, I dug that a lot. I don't know. That's that's one I I need to get a little more into. But um, I thought it was, you know, it's it's cyberpunk vibes, which are very all over the place right now. But um, no, I dig it. Yeah. Asked Libra was another one that fell into that like hole of indie RPGs that are sitting on my Steam Deck right now that I need to get around to. Uh, and there's just like so much going on. There, there's like always chain echoes. Yeah. Oh no, I am mm-hmm. playing the hell out of Chained Echoes. Let me tell you. <laughs> uh, see, I haven't gotten to it yet. I, I, oh. I downloaded it and I haven't started it yet. I I really like Chained Echoes. I think that's one that we're going to be sitting in like February, and people will finally have gotten around to it and have been playing yeah. it. Yeah. I would say that that's one that it'll come out on the Switch and get its second win there, but it already came out on the Switch, so it doesn't get that free like you get to live again card that some games do. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So I, I'm hoping that I'm hoping that folks really do try out chain echoes. It really is. I, I'm not just gassing it up for no reason. I really do like it, but I think of all the RPGs that, I mean, we, we can talk about Xenoblade in a little bit. I mean, Xenoblade is an obvious one, but I do want to shout out uh Pentiment was such a pleasant mm, surprise for me. Play. I haven't played that one yet. It came out quite late in the year and with not a ton of hype, but it's got groundswell and it's kind of my vibe. I love the art style. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the ideas behind it. I like the setting, uh, the kind of the medieval renaissance, I suppose. Um, really dark it's, ages, maybe more of it, that. Yeah, no, it's it's in kind of there's I'm not sure if Len were on this podcast right now. We could talk gr- to greater oh, detail about this, here. but she, she played it. Uh, but it's... Um, well, I mean, like, because they're the the actual like segmenting off of history eras and stuff is always like a thing among historians. But it's it's like the it's it's a really cool time because it's the the turn of the advent press or it's the advent of the printing press is what I was trying to say. It's the advent of the printing press. It's when these sorts of monks and orders and and religion as a structure that defined your life was being pushed out of the way for this new way of thinking of life it's really cool how in the beginning of that game you segment your day and what you do according to the monastic clock so the bells that would ring out at the abbey would kind of tell you like okay now it's dinner time now it's lunch time like we follow the bells of the abbey for time and then eventually once you get further on in that game and that game does jump forward a few decades at a time as it goes through its its different eras uh you start using just a normal clock <laughs> you start using that because <laughs> the without spoilers the monastic order is not defining life anymore and it really does an incredible job of showing you why people live that way but mm-hmm. to bring it on home for the rpg folks there's also so much of actual role playing in it a lot of comparisons get drawn to disco elysium 
I do that too, but mostly because it's a murder mystery. Um, it is a murder mystery. It's at its core, but I think like the 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 gameplay elements are maybe closer to like Night in the Woods, uh, where you are kind of making choices that define you, and they might not necessarily be gameplay tied. You're not like rolling for initiative or anything, but you are making decisions that impact how you feel about your character and maybe ultimately what happens in the epilogue, things like that. And I just think it's an incredible passion project. It's got some pedigree behind it. Josh Sawyer of, of new Vegas fame obviously worked on it. And you can really tell that there was a team that really wanted to make something different and they did it and they achieved it. And that's just really cool to see Uh, of all the like Xbox. We talked about Xbox, not having games this fall and pentiment was a game damn it <laughs> and pentiment exists <laughs> and it's out there <laughs> it exists it's real um the, the thing about the xbox is it wasn't like it's being punished for its lack of games it's still selling really well oh actually, yeah. yeah fueled yeah. by the xbox series s which has been definitely a talking point this year about whether it helps or harms xbox it's certainly selling well but there have been developers of bad games who have said that uh xbox series s was holding them back holding them back gosh darn it um there might be uh some truth to that but that's a side conversation Uh, xbox still doing surprisingly well all things considered nadia what were some rpgs that stood out to you well i really want to talk about Elden ring and how much i love that and how it surprised me how much i loved it but then again when i played bloodborne for game club i said well this is pretty much what I love, except I want it to be more open and free. And give me a little more, let's face it, give me a little more room to screw up. And that's what Elden Ring basically is. You Nadia can't kind invented of Elden game. Ring. This is what? canon. Nadia made the Elden Ring. Oh, of course. <laughs> you didn't know? The fact uh, that Nadia got super into Elden Ring tells you all you need to know about this game. That it's good, I've, but it's I've so liked... compelling that even Nadia, who I would argue is not drawn to these games, question mark? Um, from soft, I always felt like I, I've said this before, but they're excellent world builders. And I've always liked their lore. I've always liked their world. And Elden Ring gave me a chance to really immerse myself on my own terms in that world, in that lore. So that was probably going to get me in from the start. But beyond yeah. Elden Ring, um, I also, of course, love Xenoblade. Uh, I played uh-huh. a lot of FF14, of course. I actually leveled up a white mage and I leveled up a bard. I'm working on a machinist now. And uh, yeah, just kind of kind of picked at things here and there. Like, again, the end of the year blunderbuss really kind of has me running like a chicken with my head cut off. Like I'm going yeah. at the same time, Harvestel and Chained Echoes and uh, uh, Dragon Quest Treasures. Just everything came out in December, practically. Very strange. Can we year. please... Can we please talk about Xenoblade? I feel like we have danced around say, Xenoblade a few times. <laughs> I was like, we need okay. to talk about Xenoblade. I was like, okay. Y'all have my permission to talk about Xenoblade Chronicles 3 now. <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> it's so fucking good. It's so good. Like, I I am the person, y'all heard me on this podcast, I'm on tape being like, I'll never play a Xenoblade. It's too anime for me. And guess what? It was, and I loved it. It was so good. <laughs> like, it, I, th- there's a cutscene in this if game. You, if- Xenoblade's a game for you if you want the anime girls. Come on. I, I know. It's oh, I'm, Victor, you haven't played this? You will eat this up. Yet. It's so anime. I I know. I I know it's absolutely there there are so many people uh, including a lot of people in this call that I've seen talk about it on Twitter that I trust 
a great deal. Uh, I've, I've heard people say there is enough Xeno Saga in it, in yeah. its storytelling. It's very so much. Xeno okay. Gears. I, I know. I, I'll get I, to I, it. I, I, I want to say about that. I'll wait. Go, you go, go ahead yeah. first. You were saying something about a cutscene, Eric. Which cutscene are you bringing up? So there, there's a cutscene, and I'll I'll try to be vague enough that I don't like completely spoil it. But everyone knows that one of the gimmicks in this game is that the the war children. So the setup is that you have like three kids from one side of the war and three kids from the other, and they realize that hey, war is bad, and they end up teaming up and kind of going against the grain to fight against the war and try to bring peace and solve who's really pulling the strings behind everything. It's it's, it's I'm going to go out. On a limb and say it's not the most original idea even though it's told very very well it's done yeah. very very well there is a section where you are at a waterfall is what i'll say and you are fighting the largest robot you have seen yet in this game and by the power of friendship and anime two people fuse together into a robot to do the most awesome robot fighting that i have seen in a game in some time and it's emotional and it's impactful and it, it's so good and it's built up so well because i think that xenoblade 3 understands that the little moments have to build up to the big moments so there are constantly campfire scenes there are constantly moments where you're kind of having these quiet character moments where one kind of goes off to the side with another and they kind of share a little bit about themselves and you get to be privy to that. You get to see that you get to see this growth between the party and it understands party dynamics so well that when it gets to those big moments, when it's like life or death and there's big robot fights happening, they just hit, they hit and the music, my God, the composers, it's like they're, they were being told this is the last thing you will ever write in your life. You die after this track. And <laughs> they so they were just hard. writing the hell out of that soundtrack. <laughs> They really I mean, do go oh. hard on that soundtrack. I, Party I, dynamic, nothing. They're a polycule. They yes. Really oh God, they really are. They really are. And I'm not three joking. Pods, my favorite three part pods of, in a larger polycule. Yeah. My favorite part of Xenoblade Chronicles Three are the little animations when you're camping, where like they're grooming one another, or yeah, like cute. doing little animations. <laughs> yes. I think so much of that adds to the characterization in a way that a hundred hours of cutscenes cannot accomplish. It's, it's the, the X-Men playing baseball. It's, it's why when we started, yes. I was saying like TV can do a lot of this stuff better than movies can, because you spend so much more time with the characters. So knowing that like, you know, they like an Oreo without the, the, the white stuff in the center, like that becomes like an important thing that, endears you to the character mm -hmm. and so like that's the kind of thing that really long rpgs can do or it's with tng yeah. with this anthology approach where you, the the enterprise felt very lived in yeah and yeah in a way that later star trek shows could never quite accomplish as they went hard on the serialized short form series kind of approaches and this is a whole different conversation but, I feel um, like one thing well, that has to be said, too, is that we were talking about how, oh, the Switch can't really keep up the way it used mm. to. Uh, the rigging in Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is really good. Like when the characters <laughs> are doing uh, cutscenes, they move like human beings, like their eyes move. They kind of like, you know, shift as they breathe. Uh, chapter five, which is some of the most emotional stuff that happens oh, in the game, God. like mm. just the facial expressions like you see on Noah in particular is just mm -hmm. incredible. Mm -hmm. Like I was amazed at how well this was all done. 
yeah. chapter five is one of the best big swings I've seen an RPG take in some time. I mean, it just really goes for it in a way that it puts its whole body. It's like watching a, a, a batter get up to the plate and just put their whole body into the swing, like full <laughs> torque all the way around. It's just crack of the bat right out of the park. It's so and the good. start of chapter six. Same thing. Oh, yeah. That whole thing. Like when I played that, when I got to that, I was at my parents' house. Actually, I was dog sitting for them because they were out. And I played through chapter five and I played through the beginning of chapter six. I just, I told Katie this on US Gamer because uh, she's a huge fan of the game too. I just said, you know what? When I was done that, it was like two in the morning and I just got high and I walked Tim Hortons because I just couldn't <laughs> handle anything at that moment. <laughs> Perfect. This is too got to get high and go to Hortons. <laughs> yeah, so, so sometimes so all I could do. It, it was described as Xenogearsy. And what's weird to me is, yes, you know, caring for the developers. But no, the, all of the Chronicles games are, to me, Star Ocean games, which sure, is why yeah. I think Star Ocean has struggled yeah. uh, mm. so much in, in that they got out Star Ocean this year in particular. Because <laughs> <Like, laughs> all of the things that people used to uh, make fun of Xenoblade Chronicles for, which are like the, the voice lines in the middle of combat using the same <laughs> the one. power of friendship like exactly is Lance literally just i am the mvp <laughs> you're all thinking it i'm the girl with the gall <laughs> <laughs> um like all of that stuff those issues that are you're just like it grates on your soul but you still love it that's a so ocean thing yeah and yeah. Tails. Just it is also tales. totally Yes, like, it is Tails as well. Yeah, yeah. Tails yeah. also understands both the beauty of a good campfire scene and the beauty of yelling, Demon Fang, Demon Fang, I've learned something new. Double Demon Fang. Yeah. I just like, you know, Tails when she says, hide, Hoodle. Like, I think that's so cute. Um, so <laughs> one of my one of my favorite things in Xenoblade also about the characters is that they have such a laser focus on this party because you basically have the party after about 10 hours in and that's just the party for the entire oh, game that's you do not get true guest there's characters a lot of guest can, characters well it's, you get you have guest characters that, that have rotate in stories. and have side stories but like that that core part is like the party for so long and here's the thing i think a lot of rpgs even ones i really like let their characters fall into pigeonholed versions of themselves and they they become kind of one note by certain points even characters i like a lot have that issue but xenoblade because of how long it is because of how many scenes it has because of all the campfire stuff it lets its characters be multiple things like uni is a character that is the comic relief for a large portion of the game and also has a very affecting story about dealing with trauma and ptsd like that is incredible that that character is allowed to embody both those things in a game and it doesn't feel jarring whatsoever and i do love that about this game yeah so that's pretty I, much the case with all the characters we've had lots of praise for xenoblade i think that one of my things this year has been why can't cat get into xenoblade chronicles 3 to the extent that i want to i like mm. it it's a beautiful game runs really well Great, a pretty solid battle system, I think. Um, mm-hmm. I, I find the way that it he- keeps heaping systems, um, and that it's a little bit, it's a little dial a combo y um, when you're actually doing the combat to, to be. You're not wrong. You're tiny not bit grading. It's, it's systems, a very MMO the combat. Yeah. You, are, you are entirely correct about the systems problem. Mm-hmm. Also, mm-hmm. Um, 
I was a little bit out on the world from the start because it felt like a total abstraction to me. When I first started playing, I was like, I, I don't understand this world. This is like so, so sci-fi with, with these characters who only, and they were throwing so many terms at me that made absolutely, they were just total nonsense. Like uh, the clock and everything and the thing in their eye. Um, and That's they, just like having an but, iPhone in your eye, basically. It's just the, the iris. Clock, it's just like a. And they the only clock live, is capitalism, cat. The clock is just capitalism. Oh, and they only it's, live it's just... uh, for a certain amount of years. The, the actual characters, at least on the face of it, were very anime archetypes, um, which I, like, I don't hate that. I'm just kind of like, whatever on that. And I know that they show more depth as the game goes on. I, I do like how they interact with one another. Um, but I, and, and then like when uh, you fight the giant robot, that's like 50 feet tall with your tiny party <laughs> and then you kick the shit out of it. That's awesome. Yeah. And it was a cool moment. It was a very cool anime moment. But for me, I was a little bit out on it because I was like, well, it's hard for me to take the stakes of this story seriously because it like is so over the top uh, with these types of encounters. And maybe it's like, okay, chill out, cat. It's a, it's a freaking anime game. It's ridiculous. So I'm like, well, okay, what do you want to be? Do you want to be a completely ridiculous anime game? Like, um, uh, I can't remember what it was called, but a completely ridiculous anime game, or do you want to be a uh, grounded, grounded, a more grounded thing? Which one do you want to be? P- choose be one. Be both. Be both. Be ambitious. I thought it was going to play not ambitious. <laughs> it's a identity crisis, Eric. No, no. Refuse, That's what it is. Refuse to settle for society's definition of what any game can be. It's, Xenoblade says, no, I will be it all. Do you want it? A grounded down earth story or something crazy swarming with magic robots? I, that's go, go that's back like, to why the, not both? That's what I love about it. Go back to the best one, Xenoblade X, where you get to be in the giant robot. I mean, you get to be robots-ish. Gundam is a, is a series where people have magical space funnels that fly around yeah. and they use space Eric, telekinesis you know to predict each other's moves. You know what my favorite Gundam is? It's Gundam 0080, War in the Pocket, the one without any of the magic space funnels or new types. Cat <laughs> yeah, does not like any of that stuff. Funnels yeah. have a perfectly solid basis in science. They look cool as that, shit. That, yeah. They do. <laughs> rule of cool is not a good... Just because rule of cool does not make it good. Um, oh, but, Dragon Ball Z says otherwise. It's been surviving this long by having like, nothing in the way of rules, just other than cool. <laughs> but my, my point Dragon, is, I think I would you can argue have that all. Dragon Ball has much more of an identity than Xenoblade Chronicles Three. Well, it's been around because, a lot longer. Yeah, it's Dragon yeah, Ball that doesn't knows feel what like a fair is. comparison. I, I think my point is, is that Xenoblade feels like a actually kind of basic anime that is also mm. a really good RPG. And you're gonna like 14 when you play it. Here's the thing that really one thing that really impressed me about Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is that it has a character named Shania. I know. Go girls. But she has a when you first meet her, you kind of think you have her figured out and you think she's the analog to Senna for various reasons I won't get into because of spoilers. But then you realize it gets deeper and deeper, and the finally the the last depth that tells you everything about who she is and not just who she is, but how uh, some children are born into the world, not being loved at all. And that's mm-hmm. a really hard lesson mm-hmm. that the, the kids learn. Like all of that is hidden 
in a hero quest. So you can easily miss it. But I really appreciate they did that in an RPG because RPGs usually try to blast that stuff in your face. So they actually made you kind of dig up the final moments on what this girl was all about and why she was the way she was. And when you get that answer and you you have the, the kids learning about, oh, the miracle of life, blah, 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 and love and in chapter five and then learning on the other side, this could be really brutal and nasty. And parents sometimes just outright hate their kids. Like that was important as well. And this is all <laughs> stuff that it was hidden, but it was there. And I appreciate that Monolisoft said, well, okay, we're going to give our players the benefit of the doubt and say, we'll let them find this. But until they find it, they're only going to have half the story. Well, and to be clear, I don't think that you're you're shortchanged at all by just playing the main quest in this no, game. No, 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 not at all. I, th- I think the thing that I've loved about uh, Xenoblade is I've actually had a hard time constantly... finding the side quests. I, I must no, be doing something wrong. No, no, you didn't get to that. You didn't get that far. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a bit further along. Most of the side quest stuff is five? honestly like chapter six, chapter seven, to be honest. Oh, like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. To be clear, I still intend to finish this game at some point. I'm a little afraid that it's going to get stuck in the Persona 5 loop, but That's it's fine. definitely <laughs> on my backlog. I'm not totally out on it, but I'm trying. I feel like I've been sitting here trying to work out why there's this weird force field around this game where I have to work up mentally to be like i am sitting down and playing xenoblade chronicles 3 now as opposed to elden ring where i was like hell yeah i got an hour i'm gonna play some elden ring see what i'm saying yeah yeah. i i get that and i think there is like a not just in in controls and and doing stuff but like a fundamental difference and like i booted up elden ring recently as i was going back to my game of the year list and i got sad when i booted it up and realized i'd killed every boss in that game already because i was like oh i just wanted to go murder something in elden ring real quick and there's nothing fun left to murder and so i gotta restart the game now to find (laughs) fun stuff to murder again but that is something i can kind of jump into and jump out of but it's also a very like solo experience if some, you know, it, it is a very, it's something you talk about with other people and you go like, oh, I did this thing. Oh, what did you do? But there's something about yeah. Xenoblade that does feel like I am turning on an episode of my favorite anime and watching all my favorite characters interact and hang out and do stuff together. And there's just so much content of it. And these characters are so endearing. It is like watching like an episode of your favorite anime every time you turn that game on. And it does mean that you do have to like sit down for the episode. You can't just hop in and go fight the, the Hallig tree or whatever you have to like kind of tune in and, and and get in there. But it, I am so amazed at the stuff that I'm still finding in that game. Tyon's hero quest is some of my favorite stuff I've done this year. Oh, he's so so dumb. I want to in a locker so bad. Yeah. Tyon, a very underrated character. Lands oh. is a great character. Uh, Senna is honestly probably my favorite. Uni is my favorite of the cast, but Senna is the one that everyone should talk about and love. She is the best. Okay, which uh, one's it's Uni? Weird that- is that the cat girl one? No, no that's, that's Mio. Uh, Mio. Ni- okay. Uh, the yeah. cat girl one is my favorite. <laughs> Can you uh, tell? That's, that's fair. Everybody has a favorite, too. Like, I didn't all care of those for the girl with the wings great. on her head. Um, oh, I love you. And the part I'm on right now is focusing on her a lot, and I'm just like, yeah, I don't care about you. Oh, <laughs> I, I mean, if if we're gonna talk anime, there's one game that's actually came out this year that is not on the notes that we were sent, and that is 
the greatest himbo of all, Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII. Oh, exactly. Oh, yeah. Isn't that in the <laughs> monkey paw, be careful what you wish for <laughs> um, releases of 2022? I, I haven't played it yet. I, I, yet I have now. a copy, but I was just like, wow. Just looking at clips and stuff, I'm just like, wow, Zach. I love okay. Zach. I'm, Zach I'm like so excited to finally play that again. It's, yeah. Same. Same. I haven't had a chance yet, but I will. <clears throat> yeah. I don't know if I'm going to play it. I I honestly, I have been burned once before by the, oh, play this game. That's a new version of an old game. And you play it. and you're, It's the type zero thing where you're like, oh, playing a modern version. It's really version more of- something that you play for the story and the characters. Yeah. Uh, Zach is a cool guy. Oh, like also, that. also, it's quite clear that Crisis Core is going to continue what happened in remake. So right. I feel right. like but, uh, you need to play yeah. Crisis Core to get to the but next game. Do you? Because my understanding, I've talked to someone who has played that entire game front to back, and they told me there is not a single thing in that game that has been added or is new. So it is but, all what, Crisis what Core as do, it was. But is so. play the original Final Fantasy VII. And you'll have a good and complete story that does not need any spin-offs or prequels or anything. Just play it. Including including the FF7 remake, which we can all agree is a sequel to Final Fantasy VII. It's a sequel. That being the case, case, Crisis Core is going to at some point become a part of the remake series lore. It practically see, in, is already. In this one, Cloud uses the Lance of Loginus to stab Genova early. So yeah. that way now the Lance of Loginus is not circling the moon, but it's down here on Earth, which means that when Kaworu comes down, <laughs> just I mean, watch exactly. Beyond Genesis Meteor Evangelion, the, the show, yeah. and end of Evangelion, <laughs> which is a complete work and did not need the movies, the rebuild. I'm, I'm- it did not need It's catharsis. not a complete word because they needed nothing, end of Evangelion. Nothing needs anything, Kat. <laughs> no one needs any of this. <laughs> it's a complete work. I'm going to call it I right need now. This. <laughs> the next uh, remake game is going to kill Cloud instead of Eric. Oh, sure. Yeah, it's going to kill, kill Cloud. It's going to kill Cloud. That is going to be like an hour long rant <laughs> from me. Like that it's episode will be freaking epic. <laughs> It will be it's going freaking to kill epic. Cloud. My dumb son and his hand <laughs> and job. And I'm going to be sitting there in the background just going, it's good, gonna be right. good. It's going to be the same exact scene, but instead of Sephiroth coming down on, on air, it's going to be Cloud in that spot. And everyone is going to know that it's happening too. I'm mm-hmm, sorry. Mm-hmm, Sephiroth mm-hmm. killing Cloud is on the same level as everybody predicting that uh, Ray was going to be Palpatine's granddaughter in Rise of Skywalker and being right. And that was one of those times that I laugh cried in the movie theater, and I will laugh cry again. If Did this people is actually what predict that? People predicted that? Really? I don't yeah, remember that. It was so yeah, stupid because that it's it was the least original thing that could have happened, and that's, that's what fair. they did with episode nine was do the least original thing that they could think of. So I hate episode nine. God. It's one of the worst movies I've ever watched. And I've seen I, some bad movies, and I agree with that. I'm sorry. Killing Cloud because, instead of Aerith. It's not a twist. It's not what additive. Uh, I mean, I'm getting look, mad at a hypothetical it, thing that hasn't even <laughs> happened yet. I know. No, I just I, want like, to see Cloud die because of what it would do to Cat. <laughs> yeah, now I want this to happen. I, I have, I, I have complete faith in whatever happens in it because, like you say, Cat FF7, the original, is a self-contained work 
that tells a perfectly good story on its own. It doesn't need any of this. It doesn't need the remake. It doesn't need anything. Uh, but but the fact that all of this stuff exists around it, I think is wonderful. And and the way that remake ended and and like whatever rebirth is is exciting to me and and that includes whatever it pulls from crisis core and dirge of cerberus and before crisis i agree with crisis core but then you said dirge of cerberus i mean we've already got dirge of cerberus stuff in integrate like those those that gang is around they're doing stuff and i hate when they get to lucretia i really as soon as i played integrate i was like oh Oh, they're going. Oh, they're oh they're doing it. They're oh, they're bringing all the stuff. And why in. not? Why not? Who cares? No, nah, and Who I'm just did? like two brain cells playing Fort Condor. Like, damn, this slaps. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I removed Final Fantasy VII remake as a canon thing a long time ago. I'm just like I'm just here to play for the really great graphics and Aerith and uh, and Yuffie and uh, Jesse being really um, thirsty for everybody. But yeah. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. We're, we're running out of time, so here's the thing that I would like to do as we kind of get closer to the end of this RPG, end of the wrap-up. I want y'all to help me f- uh, decide on Axe of the Blood Gods RPG of the Year for the year 2022. And I'm just going to put it out here. I think it should be Elden Ring. Discuss. I... I... I have a really I'm hard time disagreeing with you, even though I'm putting it as Elden Ring. I, either yeah. that or Xenoblade, but Elden Ring is just like I, think I put that there are two hours choices. One is Xenoblade, and one is Elden Ring. We haven't yeah. talked about Pokemon Legends Arceus at all this year, uh, this episode, which is actually in my top ten. it's a great concept. It's, it's a great idea. I really want to see what they do with that. Great um, concept for sure. I haven't played either. But it's interesting to me that Game Freak hit what, from what I've seen, should be the future of Pokemon, and then just absolutely flubbing the present <laughs> at the same in the That's same kind year. of fascinating, yeah. yeah. It's like uh, when Wiley e. Coyote takes off on the rocket and then it blows up in the sky. The you thing know, is it's that sort of thing. <laughs> I would like classic Pokemon battling combined with the catching mechanics of Legends Arceus because I didn't actually care for the battle system of Legends Arceus. I uh the the way the flow of it felt all wrong to me. But um Yeah, I'm still fine with them being separate. Yeah. I, I really like what they're doing with Scarlet and Violet, but I can't play it in that state. I gotta wait until they fix it a bit. Yeah. I, I mean I started playing it again on my flight home, I think I mentioned, and I was digging it a little bit more, like five percent more. But I was I was so <laughs> hard out on it after playing it for a bit. I was just like, Oh, I'm gonna give it another shot, but ooh. Yeah, yeah, to me, uh, there are two choices this year, and one of them is Elden Ring, and one of them is Xenoblade Chronicles Three. And Xenoblade Chronicles Three has created like this identity crisis in me <laughs> of like, do I actually like RPGs? What is going on? Why can't I get into this game? I don't even understand. Um, and Elden Ring created joy and love in me. 
Cat um, uh, at the at the head of an RPG podcast network is like, do I like RPGs? <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's happening? Here? Oh God, it's a uh, my Switch fame. breakdown had me at thirty six percent action and thirty percent RPG. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> wow. I mean, I like other games and other genres too. Cat in the Garden of Balam going, Lord, if you can take this weight from me, please do it. <laughs> um, was it Balam he was in or Gersthamine? Uh, well, I, I was I was mixing the Garden of Gesthamine with, with Balam Garden from oh, Balam yeah. Garden. From Balam, that, that's, right. that's, okay. that's a little Venn diagram joke for everyone that went to Sunday school yeah. and also played Final Fantasy. Oh, boy. Um, you know, for, for that narrow, narrow category. Yeah, I, I don't fit the Sunday school category. Um. I, I do agree that I think the front runners of this year were clearly Xenoblade and Elden Ring. And it's really hard to deny that Elden Ring, like I, I love Xenoblade and for me personally, it's higher, but Elden Ring is like you were saying a game that we're going to be talking about for years that we're going to be looking back on. And yeah, I, I got to put aside my, my partiality and say that like Elden Ring is, it in is fairness, Xenoblade Chronicles three is arguably the best switch game to be released in 2022. Oh yeah. It's yeah, so good. Just from a tactical standpoint, um, how well it was made and everything. Um, yeah, a lot of the stuff that I said weren't really getting me were kind of nitpicks ultimately that were hitting me in particular, but by and large, like holistically, I think it's a great game. No doubt about it. One mm-hmm. of the best mm-hmm. of the year and a huge surprise. We never mm-hmm. expected Xenoblade Chronicles 3 to be that good. Um, I think we were all kind of going, yeah, yeah, whatever, Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Um, I think another game that's worth shouting out is Live Alive. Yes. Which yeah, I was going to say that's yeah. my number three. It's a, right? it's yeah. a, perfect, it's a perfect remake. Perfect. It's it's so loving in, in like how it just takes this thing and doesn't just remaster. It doesn't just make it look nice, but really tries to create a version of it that stands on its own. Like you could buy that as a modern RPG and be like, wow, they made a really cool, like retro vibey RPG, Mm -hmm. but it still looks gorgeous and stuff. And then someone walks up to you and is like, Oh yeah, that they made that game like decades ago. This is just a new version of it. You wouldn't know because it's. I mean, Live Alive was incredibly inventive for its time and still is inventive for its time. And and Square Enix made some good choices in saying like, "Hey, let's just capitalize on that. Let's just take this thing that was way ahead of its time and give it the love that we can give it now and really lean into it." Um, compared to a lot of other remasters they did this year, it was the one that was head and shoulders above the rest. Yeah, completely. I think. I think the Axe of the Blood God anti-game of the year is Diablo Immortal, which yep. oh, yeah. was just <laughs> a, a, transparent, a transparent cash grab that revealed how far Blizzard has fallen. Uh, uh, did you get to play Diablo 4? Diablo 4? Oh, you mean in yes. the beta? I have not. I, uh, I'm excited about it, though. Uh, it was pretty good. It, 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 it hit me enough to, that once the beta was done, usually uh, a lot of these early hands-on my litmus test is once it's done, do I want to play more? Diablo 4 definitely hit that. Like, okay, 
I, I see where you guys are going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Abby um, wants to know when we're getting to Horizon Forbidden West, and I'm like, when we get to uh, God of War like, Ragnarok, I don't. Let, know. Me, let me look in the. <laughs> we still have a few more games before we get to the bottom of the dumpster, but you know, maybe we can really work through there and get there. Wow. Um, <laughs> you know what? Forget um, y'all. Uh, I'll I, shout out Pathfinder. Just yeah. one more time. I, mean, I don't know if the a, console version is good, but yeah, uh, it was definitely one of the best games of, the, of last year for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, it's going to be also, Elden Ring. Yeah. It's Elden Ring. I also promised I was going to shout out Sparks of Hope at some point, and I do honestly think Sparks of Hope is getting overlooked this year. And I'm not I'm not saying this is on the caliber of an Elden Ring or anything like that, but Sparks of Hope is just a really nice little tactics RPG in a year full of them. And somehow Sparks. this thing really figured out the formula in, in a Spark. way that I think it's better than Kingdom Battle. Sparks would have gotten it. Poor Sparks of Hope. But Midnight Suns is mm. better. Oh, Midnight oh, Suns really? is quite is good. It? it really is quite good. Yeah. Yeah. Like like the changes Should I play it on that Steam they, Deck? I it somewhat half plays on Steam Deck. It's some it's it's a little it's a little itchy on Steam Deck. It'll play though. There um, there's some PC issues with that. I had to go into some things and change some things on PC to make it hitch less and it sounds like those have kind of transferred over to the steam deck and it's a little bit you'll have to do some manual tweaking on the steam deck if you want to do it that way so but like the the ways they rethought the 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 tactical combat from xcom like they clearly were like we don't want to just do xcom with marvel heroes Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. and i think a lot of that really works and it it's in in the same way that sparks of hope and mario the first mario rabbits really tried to rethink tactics to make it a little bit faster to make it a little bit more um accessible and action oriented midnight suns does that and i think it's slightly better in the gameplay and then you add the Mm -hmm. relationship stuff on top of it and it's it's, yeah i I would say as somebody who loves three houses and a bunch of like the management type games i do think Midnight Suns goes a little too heavy into it. Like it needed to pull back and maybe like eke some of that out later. Cause within like the first two missions, they're like, here's Agatha Harkness. She's going to teach you how to do everything at the base. (laughs) And it's so much. It is so much. I really have to play this game now. Oh Um, my gosh. But, but that's, I will say one thing I love about Midnight Suns and why I would recommend it to people is if you liked, marvel ultimate alliance for the way in that it didn't just have the a-listers but a bunch of b and c and d tier characters in there too and and seeing them kind of all interact some of the best stuff in midnight suns is with like hanging out with magic who is a character that you don't see in mcu stuff at all but magic kicks ass and is also my favorite character to bring on a mission in that game because she just opens portals and shoves enemies through them. And so it's really funny. Where to have they go? Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider can open a portal to hell and then you can set up a magic portal to dump an enemy into it. And so she'll Damn. like put a portal down and then like open another one and shove an enemy into it and they'll fall through the portal and into hell. And it's very good. What have they it's been really, like? Are they really like, good. you know, I've been saved by Jesus. I can't be here. Like what happens then? <laughs> No, no, they just they go straight to hell. Has watched me if, if Ghost Rider <laughs> sends you there, it just overrules everything. Oh, okay, that's that's just how it works. Yeah, Ghost Rider gets a, a veto. <laughs> I have, I really want to play this game now. Jeez, 
I mean, it's goofy. It's fun. My real game of the year is definitely Marvel Snap. So I guess it's the year of Marvel games, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Talk about a game I had to stop playing. Yeah, Uh, I'm still still at it. The year Mm -hmm. of Star Wars is coming. Like uh, the the Marvel games are taking off because uh, our boy is out there, John Drake, uh, making sure (laughs) that uh, (laughs) the Disney properties go to a bunch of different. Instead of holding on to it and making uh, you know EA the only developer Mm -hmm. that gets to play with Star Wars Mm -hmm. or Marvel, let it out there. Let it have some fun. A bad game doesn't matter. Right. Like, you know, like one developer makes a bad Star Wars game. Who cares? We survived through terrible Star Wars games (laughs) back in the day. Masters of Terasaki or whatever it was called. Terasaki. Masters of Terasaki. So, yeah, let that out there. Let's, I mean, we already got Jedi Survivor coming. There's going to be so much more. I I, I have have some Star Wars takes. But I'm not going to show. Oh. I want to reserve them for a different <laughs> podcast. Maybe, maybe when a Star Wars RPG comes out. But uh, all right, so we're all in agreement. Elden Ring's game of the year for Axel yeah. Bogdan. Yeah, Why not? How about that? Mm-hmm. Elden Ring. Do 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 do. You are the 2022 RPG of the year from you did Axel it. Blood God. You are the Blood God's chosen. You did it. Nikita Taki Miyazaki. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you. <laughs> um, last question before we wrap up. What's a good year for RPGs? Oh, yeah. yeah. I had a good time. I, I can complain. I had plenty to play. Uh, a little disappointed that we didn't get Tears of the Kingdom and uh, a few other games that were bumped to 2023. I was but so salty about... I think you losing, were very, Star, yeah. losing Starfield single-handedly ruined this year for me. Yeah, cat lost her smile. Wow, Starfield got bumped. Yeah, I, I, I can't. I'm grateful anytime anything gets delayed because there are more video games that yeah. came out this year than I can play in a lifetime. I, and yeah. 2023 is going to be worse. <laughs> I, I did put that on Twitter. I was like, are there perhaps too many games? Yeah, we've been, thinking, we've been so. saying that for ten yeah. years. I actually yeah. kind and of it's still thank true. God that. Tears of the Kingdom, even though I was disappointed that it got moved, because I was like, I cannot deal with a, a year that has me choose between Zelda and Elden Ring. Like, it, it was just going to destroy me. Yeah. This out. fall would have been perfect because there was no game this fall that really interested me. So Starfield would have been it. I'm sorry, Kat. I I can't imagine Starfield launching this fall. I probably would have died. So That's too much. <laughs> That's also, just too if much. it launched this fall, cool it probably would have been bad because they had to delay it, so... Yeah, for the no, best. next True. next fall will be the the downfall of Eric because it'll be Baldur's Gate three, and and we'll still have Starfield lingering. We'll still have Tears of the Kingdom lingering. At this hey, point, next Final year, Fantasy sixteen is looking like a lower tier game on my interest <laughs> list. That's how big next year is looking. So, so like we're all sitting here talking like it's like, well, was twenty twenty two a good year? Well, sure. But let me tell you about 2023. <laughs> 2022. Yeah, I, I'm talking in the context of 2022. I'm not overwhelmed. Whereas in 2023, I'm going to be overwhelmed. I was, I was, I had carryover overwhelmedness from 2021. Like I said, right. I'm still getting through SMT. Uh, like 
I didn't touch most of my most anticipated games this year. So let's just delay as much as we need. Next oh. year, I got I got the Battle Network Legacy Collection. Yeah, coming that's coming. Yeah. Oh. I got, oh. I got the new delayed oh. into 2023. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So uh, I, got, I got theater rhythm. I'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna have oh, hundreds of hours in theater rhythm. Theater rhythm. Vic, sea of stars. Sea of stars is next. Vic is, seri- oh. Vic is secretly my spirit animal Oops. <laughs> because um, he, I, I am the same way. If I were not in the games media, I would be playing old games mostly. I would just yeah. be plugging yeah. away at my backlog all the time, not worrying too much about what was coming out grabbing what was of interest to me um i think i only feel overwhelmed because i have to keep up with this enormous tidal wave oh of course coming out all the time but yeah like if anything quietly this year has been the year that like i've been the most interested in old games that have been a long time i like put together a big retro setup i bought like a famicom and everything and Hell yeah! Uh, playing a lot oh. of games on an old CR television, I was having a great time. So yeah, I've I've been getting a lot of the like I got all the Dark Souls games, but I also bought a lot of Xbox games for that are backwards compatible. So like all of the Tomb Raider, uh, a lot of the old Splinter Cells. Like I I just went and bought a bunch of old games because they're pretty cheap for one. Like you know, like they're, they're very eight to ten bucks a pop. They yeah. go down easy. Like they're they're usually not <laughs> that long. Um, I don't I don't know how many times I played through the first level of Ninja Gaiden. I actually beat it again oh, this yeah. year. It's just some games that you just want to go back to and have a good time with. I, I the most recent game I picked up was a copy of Bullet Witch. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I just played that. <laughs> Let me float this cute. analogy. Let me float this analogy to y'all to put a little note on this. All right. To use an Elden Ring analogy, all right, 2022 was Godfrey the Golden, right? Showing up, looking great, some big RPGs, looking like a real fighter. And then 2023 arrives, Godfrey rips that lion's head off and becomes Horolu and is going to pile drive all of us into the <laughs> ground with RPGs next year. <laughs> Pretty much. I just hope they're good. I get this, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with you, Eric, actually. I thought the, the year got off to an amazing start. First half mm-hmm. of the year was lit, and then, and then it kind of stalled out in uh, some ways. I mean, we had Xenoblade Chronicles three in the summer, but beyond that, it was kind of like going, "Oh, this game's interesting. This this little game's interesting. Oh, what are we gonna play here?" So, um, but I, I think twenty twenty three is gonna be pretty crazy. But we say that every year, don't we? Yeah, but it's looking. I mean, it's looking even just outside RPGs like. Tears of the Kingdom, Diablo 4, FF16, Starfield, Street Fighter 6, which oh, just right. finished Shit, its beta, is great. I want, I want to go back to mm-hmm. our end of year mm-hmm. episode from last year where we were probably like, 2022, oh my god, it's going to be crazy. The games, <laughs> the games we were talking about all got delayed, though. Starfield got delayed, Baldur's Gate 3 never set a release date for this Tears year, 16 got pushed, like... Uh, next year, we should be getting the fan translation of Tales of Destiny 2, which is very exciting. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Also, the fan translation for Sakura Wars 3. Hey. So, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. there's cool stuff. Glad to have Victor here for the really deep cuts. 
<laughs> Can we get the PlayStation version of Tokimeki next? That's what I want. Uh, um, so I, I do have friends who are very much in that space and are actively working on it. There were there were a couple breakthroughs in, as far as figuring out how to because the the way the text is stored in the PS1 mm. and Saturn <laughs> versions of of Toki Memo is very weird. The way it all decompresses is very strange, but there have been some breakthroughs in that this year. So, it's getting more and more likely that that could potentially happen. I'm uh, looking forward yeah. to our our Tokimeki Memorial Pantheon of the Blood God episode. It's going to be Me great. Too. It's going to be Watch real out. good. It's going to happen. <laughs> and that's it. For our year in review wrap up for RPGs, Nadia, take us home. Uh, well, I promised one more uh, Nadia's nostalgia pit slash nook for the year, and now this is a story I told on Twitter last year. So I'm sorry if you're hearing it again, but I think it's worth telling. Um, now I wasn't here when I wasn't there when this happened this was when I was working custodial and you know one of those events that happen when you take the day off and you come back in the next day and like 10 people run up to you and say holy crap you you should you should have seen what happened yesterday this is one of those events basically um, we used to eat lunch like the custodial staff used to eat lunch with the mall Santa uh, who was obviously a very very popular fixture of the mall in that particular time of the year and there was one lunchtime where he spilled coke on his beard and he was like supposed to be back on the floor doing pictures so he put his beard in the microwave to dry it off and he what dried <laughs> and sure enough the place starts filling up with like horrible black smoke and he destroys the beard like completely and customer service since like you know obviously doing santa pictures is a hugely lucrative thing customer service at the mall just running their dicks off looking for another santa beard but where the hell are they gonna find a spare santa beard and uh apparently there was one girl uh who i worked with who was laughing so hard at this whole thing that they're worried that she's having a nervous breakdown would have to be sent home because she couldn't stop laughing so that's my my wrap up for the year santa Um, nearly said Another Nadia classic story. That's just like what, what? Another animal in the rich tapestry of Nadia. At least it's not the fish hook. That was the one that got you to finally say to me, "What's wrong with you?" (laughs) You're talking about like, oh yeah, we used to go fishing. I know a kid who got a fish stuck, a fish hook stuck in his head. Why? Why do you tell those terrible stories? I didn't think it was terrible. I thought it was a story. (laughs) But Santa burning his beard is a classic. Like that's just like you can't get better than that. I've heard this story before, but it's like a Charlie Brown's Christmas special. Just, <laughs> I, I want to start uh, to start playing the the classic Charlie Brown Christmas special theme while Nadia plays this. Do, 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 I want do. I want I want Nadia's Thousand and One Nights, where, where every every night she tells one of her tales. To did they find a beard? Yes, they did find an extra beard um, somewhere in one of the back rooms. They did. I hope it was a really scraggly one that like kids were scared of. That would have been cool. And on that note, that is the end of Acts of the Blood God <laughs> in 2022. Thanks so much for listening. And thanks to everybody who supported us through another great year of Acts of the Blood God. Seven years we've been doing uh, this show. We amazing. started doing it in 2015. And boy, are my arms tired. 
Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> and uh, I think this episode is evidence of how the Blood God fam has grown appreciably. Love y'all. Uh, happy holidays to all of you. And uh, thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back again in 2023. But if you want even more Blood God, there's still more where that came from. Because we have an entire, uh, we have a whole nother wrap-up extravaganza as a special. It's happening uh, very soon with Reb. Um, and we're going to be talking about everything that came out. We have a full-on year-end extravaganza where we, in which we talk about everything. So Abby can get her wish granted and we'll talk about Horizon Forbidden West, I assume. Yes. In the meantime, if you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on the podcatcher of your choice. You can follow me on Twitter at the underscore catbot. Nani's at Nani Oxford. Eric is at CMUSI. Mike is at Automatic Zen. And Victor is at, say it one more time. Victor E. Hunter. Victor, the letter E, Hunter. Victor E. Hunter. And of course, check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod. We'll be back next year with lots more RPG talk about the genre that we love. But until then, for Eric, Nadia, Victor, Mike, and myself, thanks for listening and happy adventuring.